1: Today's going to be just the opposite of yesterday. Yesterday, uh, I had three reporters scheduled. Uh, and As I said, one's been out for, for a few months and is coming back, and uh, um, one's been out for a few weeks and is coming back, and, and one had, uh, had an emergency and is coming back next week. So it, it's kind of crazy what's going on. So I did the whole show myself. That was unusual, but it was fun, and it was, uh, it was interesting. Uh, it was exhausting. A little, little scrappy voice by the end of it, but uh, that's Okay. Um, because it was worth doing. Uh, Today is just the opposite. Today we're full. We've got Michael Volpe, who's going to call in any second now. Uh, He'll be in the first hour. Uh, We've got a problem with gender dysphoria in family courts. And this cult of transgender, you know, mind and body altering uh, to try and create something that's impossible, uh, has made its way into family court. And and, uh, you can just imagine the disputes of of parents. You know, one wants to uh, surgically and chemically alter their kids and the other doesn't. The other wants to preserve their kids as is, you know, as God made them. Uh, and that's uh, that's a problem. Uh, that's a huge problem um, because the parent that apparently is winning in California is going to be the one that wants to alter and surgically uh, destroy their kids. And so Michael's here right now. Uh, something I haven't done for a while. Let's get to. Uh, uh, Michael, he's, he's always willing to come on the show. He's great. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Uh, we don't always agree, as you can tell by some of our recordings, but I would never um, not want him on the show. But uh, it's been busy lately, and he's been wanting to come on for a while, but we've had just so much going on. I haven't had a chance to, uh, to really get him on with all the, uh, the incredible craziness. And so let's bring him on. Let's give him the, our, our tribute of guest of the day, Michael Volpe. So one of the few people that's with me since the very beginning uh, is Michael Volpe. He's been uh, just an incredible reporter. Uh, his details are, are amazing, if not uh, sometimes too much. Sometimes they are like, what are we, we, you know, it's kind of fun. But uh, always informative, incredibly well-informed, and incredibly uh, courageous in all the things he takes on, particularly family court, family law, and these different things that are happening. So let's make his line live, bring him on, and uh, welcome him back. Michael Volpe, about time. Got you back. How you doing? Join uh, well. Thanks for having me. All right, let's give you a round of applause, Pierre. Yeah, sorry to took a the while to get
0: there.
1: Yeah, the studio audience. Yeah, the live audience is right there now. It sounds it's a bit. I don't know if you can hear the rain. I might have to go run out and close my windows, but uh, uh, it's, we got we got Florida weather here. And so we're subject to power of failure. So if the show ever quits for any reason, just uh, just hang on. I'll restart it uh, in a little bit. But uh, I'll be back. It takes me about three minutes to to get the show back on the air. Anyway, let's talk about you. What you've been doing lately? What's uh, what's uh, your your current investigative uh, um, uh, current activity?
2: So, well, first of all, I uh, I did something on the Ruckey case. I interviewed many years ago, Sandra Grisini Ruckey. Uh-huh. She's yeah, been smeared by all, yeah, she's been smeared by all the media. Well, you can include Dan Abrams in that smear. Dan is on just about every network. He's on Reels, News Nation. He's an ABC legal analyst. He's on MSNBC. And mm-hmm. he has a show on A&E called Court Cam, not to mention he owns a couple of websites, Mediaite, Law, law and Crime. You might own a few more. Wow. So in 2000, yeah, he's everywhere. So uh, you probably know the name or the face. So not really, but uh, I'm curious
1: t- what Annie was too. You mean what's with me? Is that a is that a network of some kind or what? A and E.
2: Uh, oh, A and E. Yeah, there the, we go. A and E. Yeah, yeah, arts and entertainment. I think it stands for. So oh, the, the A&E. show that he does. Okay, that, now
1: I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I do know that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Uh-huh.
2: So on A and E, he does a show called Court Cam, where they they take video footage from court and then put a little story together and it's like four different segments or five for each hour. So uh-huh. each story only lasts like three or four minutes. So in 2013, uh, Sam, that's what Sandra goes by. She had a custody trial, September, 2013, two day custody trial. In the second day, her attorney, Michelle McDonald was uh, after she took a photo, Michelle did, was taken into the back, by uh, sheriff's deputies, that's Dakota County, Minnesota. And mm-hmm. then during the interrogation, they handcuffed her to a wheelchair. And then after the break was over, they wheeled her back in and had her continue for the rest of the trial, handcuffed to a wheelchair. And by the time she came back in, Sam was gone. And not only was her client gone, but her notes were gone, her computer was gone, her shoe was gone. So Dan does a segment on this because there's a video of it for court cam. Mm-hmm and somehow manages to blame Michelle and makes it seem like the reason that she wound up handcuffed to a wheelchair and had to do half that trial handcuffed to a wheelchair was entirely her fault. Uh, and he, the worst part is he didn't even call Michelle or or his staff or, or email or try to reach out to her to understand from her perspective how this happened and just took whatever the court said uh, at face value. And I know he did because when 2020 did it, they gave me the exact same explanation for that proceeding as he did in his show, and both of them got that from the court. So Dan Abrams and Court Chem are the latest in a long string of mainstream media to smear either Sam or people who have tried to help her. Uh, and they are working very, very hard to make it seem like Michelle being in that wheelchair Handcuffed and having to conduct that trial handcuffed to a wheelchair was anyone's fault but the court. Uh, and, and we should mention the judge's name is David Knudsen. He didn't pronounce mm-hmm. the judge's name right, but that's the least of the problems with Dan's. Uh, and one last thing, if you want to mm-hmm. send an email to, to Annie, it's press at ae dot com. Uh, so that's uh, that's my latest. You can find uh, the, the latest story is behind a paywall, so you only can read about a quarter of it unless you pay, called The Smearing of Sandra grazini Rucky. And I go through not every single uh, story about her, but a lot of them and how media from Minnesota to nationally all smeared her, Michelle and others who have tried to help her to make it seem like her ex is a good guy, uh, not the abusive monster that he is, and that she got what she deserved. Uh, instead of her trying to protect her kids. Um, but today we're going mm-hmm. to talk about the tra- the trans issue uh, and how that, that affects family court. And I think we want to start with a, it hasn't passed yet, but it's in California. So I'm going to predict that as soon as the legislative process is over, which shouldn't take that much longer, this law will pass. It only has a number, <laughs> it's called California, It's called California AB 957.
1: Yeah, I got the summary here, and I've got your notes on it, too. So this is is a typical California. This is like restitution, you know, for for, uh, black citizens uh, who, you know, never experienced slavery. But uh, somehow, somehow, you know, 10 generations later, uh, it's like everybody's owed $350,000 or something like that. It's insane. But it's California. Mm -hmm. That's why I left you know, it's right. because of the insanity so, yeah. that I, I moved to Florida because it was never going to, it was going to change. The world, California's lost until the population changes, you know, and uh, all right. uh, are yeah.
2: changing. it's not changing anytime. So there, there might be other portions of the law, but I wanted to just talk about this one key portion. So sure. it says the bill, the bill would require the uh-huh. court to strongly consider that affirming a minor's gender identity is in the best interest of the child if a non-consenting parent parents, objects to a name change to conform to the minor's gender identity. I know what a lot of people who are listening are thinking, oh, my God, I have no idea what you just said.
1: So, uh, actually, this audience would. No, we've, we've covered – I've done uh, a few trans shows already, and I didn't really have a chance to tell you right. about that. But, yeah, uh, uh, we, uh, I call it so altering. you know, Frankenstein medicine. Right. Uh, we did a whole show right. on the on – the, uh, the assassin. You, hold on just a second, Mike. I, want, I just want to make – let me make this point. I believe I'm going to give you lots of time, but I want to make this point just so that you know and everybody else knows too that we did an entire show tracing – you know, the, the assassins, the school assassins, you know, from the initial times in, in, in school when they're kids, from the ADHD meds to the psychotropic drugs to the, uh, the, the surgical altering uh, and mutilation and the chemical alteration with these pu- puberty blockers and hormone things and stuff like that. And every step along the way, the, the side effects are, are homicidal and suicidal uh, uh, tendencies and ideations. And, and so you, you, we're creating monsters and then wondering why we have monsters. So that's the audience knows about that. We've we've talked about this kind of stuff. Anyway, given that, feel free. Let's launch into this because I knew it was going to get in the family this, courts
0: this sooner or later. And, not, and there it is. This is, Go ahead.
2: This is not quite that though. This is not any child who is transitioning. That but they are. They want to be the other sex, but they haven't done anything chemically. But they want to dress as the other sex, and they want it so. I uh, imagine your boy is John, but John thinks he's a girl and he wants to be called James. Why
1: would John so, think he's a girl? <laughs> you know, my daughter knew she was a daughter right, her entire that, life. That, <laughs> Never we'll, a question. We'll, yeah.
2: Right. We'll, well let's get, your we'll feeling get on this. to that.
1: Yeah, I want to get your well, feelings on, on we'll, the whole we'll, trance thing too. We'll, so we'll, but go ahead. We'll, no, go ahead. Feel free.
2: We'll, we'll get, get to it. that. But, yeah. So the what the bill will say is, so you have two okay. parents. And and there may indeed be a difference of opinion as to whether or not do two parents believe that the boy is a girl, the bill. Now the bill doesn't require anything, even though it does say the bill would require the mm-hmm. court to strongly consider, but strongly consider is not a requirement. But what does the, the bill require? The court, that means the judge, the court, the judge to strongly consider that, that if, john wants to be called jane mm-hmm. the parent who goes along with jane is acting in the best interest of the child the parent who keeps calling john john is not now it's not requiring the so judge
1: this is the opposite, the is the opposite mm-hmm. of, of what be. it should be but, the opposite but, of reality yeah
2: right but it's not requiring the judge to do anything except to strongly consider so the judge doesn't have to do anything but
1: but good... you know they will. It's California, right? Of yeah, course, they're...
2: that that yeah. is correct. Still, so, yeah, uh, there were there are two sponsors. They're both obviously Democrats. I don't know how many Republicans there are in the state legislature. I doubt it's very many. One of them it is, is Assemblywoman Lori Wilson. Uh-huh. The other one is Assemblyman Scott Weiner and uh, Ms. or Assemblywoman's Wilson staff did get back to me about my three questions. So. I I wanna read that to give you some more context and then we'll we'll get into this. So my question, is it fair to say that this bill finds that the parent not going along with a child's change in gender is found to be less fit? If so, this seems dangerous. The answer, that statement is misleading. The following is from the bill analysis and now they're quoting from the bill analysis. Contrary to the claims of some opponents, this bill does not require the court to side with the consenting parent. It may place a thumb on the scale in favor of the consenting parent, but that is true of any number of factors that the court considers in determining the best interest of the child. They are right, however, as they said, it not it may place now that that's misleading. It th- it shall place a thumb on the scale. But it doesn't require the judge to do anything, but as you said, in any given custody situation, the judge can determine whatever whatever that judge wants. But if the judge sees 10 of these, predominantly, that judge is now going to favor the parent who's going along with the name and sex change. And so...
1: Well, sure, because that makes more conflict, and that makes more damage, so they can keep the case going longer. You know how we talked about this over over the the last few years. Yeah,
2: right. That that's correct. But here, the this is important though. uh, Child custody laws are state by state, but they in all the states they they generally do have like certain principles. So, for instance, if you have been the, the legal terms substantiated
0: uh-huh.
2: for any type of abuse um emotional psychological physical or sexual you are going to have little to no custody time there is no debate there, there's there, it's not like in florida and i'm just choosing florida they're okay. saying well physical abuse physical abuse is fine where that we're not going to consider that not in the best interest of the child That's All the states, if you have been substantiated for physical abuse, your custody time is going to be significantly limited. If Mm -hmm. you were the primary caretaker as the child was growing up and now the parents are splitting up, well, that's going to weigh heavily in your favor. It doesn't guarantee you'll you'll get physical custody, but just as with this law, predominantly you will. So we've never had a law that takes a social issue the way this does and let me give you the the other side now I'll, I'll give you a hypothetical law imagine a law that i would say would be in west virginia or tennessee or idaho uh, the public school system is broken this bill would require the court to strongly consider that sending a minor child to a private school is in the best interest of the child if a non-consenting parent objects to sending that child to a private school. Now, even if you agree that the public school system is broken and you think that sending a kid to a private school, do you want the government to put their thumbs on the scale that way? No, I mean, obviously, this is a
1: rhetorical question, Michael, because I don't want the government telling people what to do, uh, except in terms Mm -hmm. of what's legal and illegal. Okay, so child abuse Mm -hmm. is illegal. You know, physical abuse, Mm -hmm. mental abuse, emotional abuse is illegal, obviously. And so but when it Mm -hmm. comes to the decision of a private versus a government school, as much as I detest the government schools, I would not deny somebody the option to go there if if that's what they Mm -hmm. really wanted. You know, I don't have a problem with that. I just have a problem with the government schools. But that's my choice. You know, my daughter went to a private school yeah. growing up. Um, but here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. When it comes to family court, or what, what people forget, you know, the, 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 the real abuse is the court itself. So the judge is mm-hmm. judging on physical, uh, emotional, and mental abuse when the judge is actually committing those things by allowing a parent to, quote, trans their kid, you know, uh, surgically mm-hmm. and chemically basically destroy them. Um, this is the mm-hmm. problem. This is the, the abuse is mm-hmm. the court itself. And this is what we've talked about so many times. So putting the judgment in the hands of the person who can actually make the abuse happen legally, that's the problem, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, obviously yeah. I don't want the, the, I don't, obviously I don't want the courts, you know, doing that. But as we've talked yeah. about before, and this is, I think this is the real key to this is that first of all, it's liberal California. Uh, transgender is a dangerous cult that is taking over and it's trying to create something that's impossible. You cannot change your gender. And this is, this, I don't even know mm-hmm. if this even enters into the debate in California, but if a legislator got up and said, this is impossible, you can't change your gender. Sure, you can surgically alter yourself. You can remove things that can never go back the same way. You can chemically mm-hmm. change yourself permanently. You can cause brain damage. You can do all kinds of other things. But you cannot change your DNA from XX to XY or XY to XX. You're always going to be male or female from birth. That's it. <laughs> or actually yeah. from conception. That's it. So why are we doing I agree. this fantasy world? You know, why aren't people challenging mm-hmm. this? You know, where are the Republicans? Where is anybody to stand up and say, you people are dealing with fantasy world. This is a cult. The real abuse is trying to maintain something in people's minds that's actually impossible to do. That's the mental right. abuse. How do you I, do ag- that I to agree.
2: People? And now we're going we're gonna to talk about another law. This one has passed in California. Okay. It is SB 107. And not uh-huh. surprisingly, this mm. law was sponsored by Scott Wiener the same person who sponsored who was co-sponsoring AB957
1: wow. Some of the now, legislators named Weiner I'm sorry there was a there's an Anthony Weiner in New York who was a you know porn freak and a pervert there's an, there's a Scott Weiner so if if you have a name Weiner don't go into politics and if you do make sure you're really honorable <laughs> because you know the minute you come up being a, right. a you know dangerous like these people we're going to make fun of you I mean, this just the way it goes I'm sorry it's politics back to you Michael
2: okay <laughs> Here's a quote from the press release that went into effect on January 1, 2023. As so many states work to erase trans kids and criminalize their families, California must always have their back. With SB 107 signed into law, California is forcefully pushing back against anti-LGBTQ hatred spreading across parts of the nation. The rainbow wave is real and it's coming. Thank you, Governor Newsom, for standing for our community. Uh, So what the legislation has inspired, this legislation has inspired 19 other states to introduce similar trans refuge state bills as trans kids and and their parents are currently under assault by executive and legislative actions in texas idaho louisiana arizona and other states for example under far right anti-lgbtq governor abbott texas began investigating potentially prosecuting parents of trans kids who receive gender affirming care so what does sb 107 do if you live in a state like texas which forbids Anyone under 18 to do any kind of gender transitioning. Now that does not that you are allowed to dress as a girl if you are a boy and call yourself a girl's sure. name. Sure, and I don't not, have a problem with what, that.
0: The, right, I just what, don't want the surgery
2: and the not, drugs.
1: You know, but if if correct. someone wants what to are, dress, correct,
2: what you are not allowed care. to do in right. Texas, Idaho, West Virginia has passed a law since this Louisiana and Arizona is mm-hmm. give them any of these drugs until they're over 18. Those parents can go to California, mm-hmm. and they will provide refuge. I don't know exactly what that means uh, because well, if you Well, know do you know what reminds the, it reminds me of, Michael?
1: It's very much like a sanctuary mm-hmm. city, which was in a, a harboring illegal right. aliens. So in other yeah, words, you taking that, that's fugitives. That's exactly and what and
0: it is. Oh, oh, I just on, don't yes, understand me, if you – Oh,
1: well, let me yeah. just to folks, I'd like to, I like to you know, address the audience. Actually, we have a lot more international folks listening now, too, um, particularly in, uh, in Australia, England, and Canada. Although we do have someone, we have Marco, who types in from the Netherlands pretty regularly. So I'll, see, I'll let you know if he pops up on the screen. So this thing's are getting pretty cool around here now. All right, so, so the whole idea of sanctuary cities, the, the liberal states think they can violate the law any way they choose. Uh, and one of the ways they do that, is allowing illegal aliens to vote, get driver's licenses, do all kinds of things for people that can't be here, and so they call the, they, what they call these things are sanctuary cities, sanctuary counties, sanctuary whatever. What it really is is sanctuary from from the Constitution, from the law, and they're breaking the law. They're harboring fugitives. Now, the, if you have a, a and they're doing it with abortions, that you know states that uh, ban abortions for uh, you know people under eighteen, California and, and these other quote, I guess they're calling them refuge states now. That's a new. I haven't heard trans refuge before. That's a new term. Uh, but that, what the thing is, we don't care about the law in your state. We'll let you go, you know, violate uh, your parents uh, here, you know, get an abortion underage right. or, or have, or have a, a surgery and chemicals that uh, you're too young to decide on. You know, if, if you can't give mm-hmm. your consent as a minor uh, to a variety of things, how can you give your consent to be permanently altered? And so this is a crime. These states that are doing this are criminal. The states that are saying you can't have a uh, – a sex-changing surgery or chemical drug until you're an adult, um, that's, that's the way to go. And so, but the, the states, yep. you know, should be able to have the authority uh, over their folks. California shouldn't be doing this. So the states that, uh, that do want to have the, the, you know, over 18, they should be taking California to the Supreme Court. I mean, that's where the Supreme Court mm-hmm. is uh, right. duty-bound to take right. cases when there are disputes between the states. So hopefully that will come up. Right. But anyway, back to you. But these states okay. that are doing this, it's criminal.
2: And, and that that what the what the law in California does is it does provide them a refuge. You cannot be charged. They won't they won't send those folks back to be charged in Texas. Uh, now the the most high profile custody case that involves this is the younger mm-hmm. case, which is out of Texas, where the yep. boy is being transitioned by his mom to a girl and called Luna. And just recently, in the last few months, she did move to California. And this law became the subject of uh, a court battle. And James Younger actually argued that she's going there for this law. And the Texas Supreme Court allowed her to move. And they basically said, don't worry. Uh, Law notwithstanding, there is a court order in Texas that bars her from transitioning him. Uh plus she has promised not to transition him. So your uh, worries not, are are not they're not legitimate. She has she look, she's been given sole custody. Uh and and this lady she is like a, a Dr. Frankenstein. There's a hearing from yeah. two thousand twenty one uh and her lawyer asked her, Well why do you call uh James Luna and she said well when when he was three he wanted to pretend to be a girl and when he was five he told me he wanted to stop pretending and yeah you know, that just shocking so because your five-year-old told you he wanted to be a girl you made him into a girl and this is out of her mouth uh, but insane. they gave her sole custody sole
1: decision-making I just think they custody. would not allow this woman's dangerous.
2: It's a liberal liberal judge named Mary Brown. Yeah. Texas is a big state. They don't. It's not all conservative. She had a liberal yeah. judge named Mary Brown, and uh, they gave her sole custody. They believed she was the fitter parent. Uh, you. That that's not me saying it. That's her saying it. Uh, mm-hmm. And. Um, you know, just shocking, and and they gave her custody, and so she's moved to California. She has not transitioned him yet. I don't know she if she The reason that she's how
1: old is but he? she? How old the boy had, now? How old the boy? I
2: ten, eleven, or twelve, something like that.
1: Okay, so the older he gets, the, okay. the better he, chance he has of surviving this, because at some point, mm-hmm. you know. Well, let me ask you this, Michael. At what point can can children emancipate and and sort of take charge? Can a twelve year old say, I want to be, I want to be emancipated, you know, from this person who wants to quote surgically, you know, destroy me? Can he do that at twelve? I was pretty aware at twelve. I had my first flying lesson at twelve. The, I was a pretty they, smart kid, they, you know. So twelve-year-olds have have a lot going on. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Uh, different states have different laws. I don't know what it is huh. in California or Texas. Uh, so okay. So those are the two laws that are trans-related. But mm-hmm. let's talk about. A few cases that I have done. Well,
1: no trans. I want to get back to this for just a second because this is this is a fascinating case. I've heard about this for a couple of years now. This not this is not a new case. This has been going on for a while. And but what I'm wondering is uh, this whole trans thing is based on the consent of the person wanting to be trans. So what if what if John says I don't want to be trans anymore? That I was just I was just pretending, you know, or I just I you know whatever (laughs) I said at three doesn't count anymore at twelve. You know, because just because can he then stop the process individually or can he be forced into transition because his mother wants him to?
2: Okay. Well, his mother is not trying to transition him yet. He's not taking, he's not doing any drugs. There's no surgery, but But he dresses as a girl. Well, well, well that we don't, Yes and no. There's a court order barring her from doing it, but she moved to California, and Dad believes she moved to California to take advantage of the law. She hasn't taken advantage of the law. She has promised not to do it. She has repeatedly said this is not her goal, is to transition him. I don't don't
1: believe her. She's lying. She went there specifically to take advantage of this law and, and destroy her kid. I mean, that's, that's, I, why I else would you know move to
2: California? True. What's that? I don't know if that's true. There's a lot of reasons why didn't Did she moved to
1: California. A great case Did she, if she didn't move for a job, most people move for a job. That's why they move. Or family. Those are two reasons people move from state to state. Or to get away I from didn't
2: state. See, but I didn't see what in the, in the order said why she moved. But they addressed the law. Many times, the Texas Supreme Court is confident that, that she cannot do this, that there's a court order, that that's different than a law, that you cannot violate a court order. uh and well, has got jurisdiction now?
1: It. Wait, 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 wait. Doesn't right. California have no, jurisdiction?
2: Not yet. Uh, it's they will. jurisdiction. Right, it will. she's
1: going to get a California right, right, lawyer. Right, she's going right, to switch right. the jurisdiction to California. This this kid, I will tell you, you know, he's I don't know how he's going to survive it personally. If I were the, that kid at twelve years old, I'd run away. I'd run back to Texas, you know, back to dad, and say, "You got to, you got to save me from this. This is crazy. I don't want to go through with this." That's what I would do, even mm-hmm. at twelve. I'd find I, a way.
2: So even if mm-hmm. even if jurisdiction changed, there's there there's several things. The Uniform, I think, Child Custody uh, Jurisdiction Enforcement Act and the Full Faith and Credit Clause, both of those require California courts to honor prior court orders. So if they're following the law, she still wouldn't be able to transition him, and she hasn't yet. So
1: I, well, keep saying she I, them, I but don't she know what's I mean, going uh, to happen. It's, it's so but, obvious. That's why she moved. Um, let, me, let me just interrupt for a second again. we got Marco, uh, who's uh, on the line here. Oh, he's on the live chat uh, in Netherlands. Marco, what's going on as far as uh, forced transitioning? What, what kind of protections do you have in the Netherlands? Uh, can parents can one parent in a divorce case um, force a kid uh, to make a sex change? Or how much, th- how much can the kid say about it? Or do you have laws protecting kids until they're 18? So I'll, I'll just Marco. He'll get back to us in about a minute or two uh, when he, as soon as he can. But uh, it's always interesting to get European perspective on this. All right. So this case, what's the father say? And is he going public with this? Is he well, screaming the, father
2: on he she, the father says that she's moving because she wants to take advantage of the law. However, right. the Texas Supreme Court said, you're wrong. Uh, you're, it's fine. It's no big deal. Look, the, the the pro se mandamus petition arises from a child custody dispute involving two twin boys, one of whom has exhibited confusion about his gender, mother, who has custody of the board, recently moved to California Mm -hmm. after a Dallas County district court in September 2022 authorized mother to reside with her children anywhere in the continental U.S. Father, the relator in this court, is concerned that mother's move to California will bring about medical transitioning of his son three months after the district court authorized the move to California. Father belatedly seeks an emergency order from this court requiring their return. I concur in the court's denial of the petition because father is already in possession of a court order prohibiting mother from doing precisely what he fears she will do with his son in October, 2021 district court with mother's full agreement. And indeed at her request ordered that, and this is the order, neither parent may treat a child with hormonal suppression therapy, puberty blockers, and or transgender reassignment surgery without the consent of the, of the parents or court order. Uh, So what, what the, what, what the Texas Supreme Court is saying is she can move anywhere she wants. There's a court order. She can't do this. Not only that, but she's promised she doesn't want to do this.
1: Yeah. See, you know, the, the simple solution to this is that the court should have said, fine, you can move to California, but, you, you know, but then I would award custody to the father. You know, because the kid has friends, is in school, already has a life. At 12 years old, you're pretty established. Trust me. I moved to the United States at 12. It was a big shock leaving Australia at 12, much more than it was leaving Canada at 8. So from Canada to Australia mm-hmm. was, was a transition. Uh, but I was eight years old. I was pretty adaptable. But by 12, you've got friends. You've got your life. You know, you're organized. You're, I was in sports. I was doing all kinds of things in Australia. And then all of a sudden, one day, my folks said, you're moving to, you know, talk about transition. This is a geographic transition. It wasn't obviously not another one. But, uh, and all of a sudden, here I am in this country. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? This is a weird place. It was a shock. So I can only imagine the shock. You know, but at least I had my identity. I was still me, right? So, so the, right. for this boy at 12 years old, to be all of a sudden taken by a parent who's trying to basically destroy him. And we don't know, we, have you heard what he has said about this? Has he gone on well, the record at 12? He, he should be able not, to testify what? and say, I don't want to be a he, girl.
2: But he doesn't testify. They, they almost never have children that age testify for their own reasons. Uh, huh. Be that as it may, you are, yeah, are not against the dip-
1: agenda. A, yeah. a
2: different problem which is Uh that they are treating the mom as the more fit parent. So they are catering to mom in every way except for allowing the gender transition surgery. Uh, But she has won every court, just about every court battle. Uh, She is treated as the fitter parent for reasons that aren't entirely clear to me. It looks like it's ideological, but she's given just about everything, uh, and that's why she was allowed to move to California.
1: Just the same. I mean, obviously, the more fit parent is the one that wants to keep the kid the way they are, you know. And and kids, they can't make a decision like that, you know. And parents can't make it for them. You cannot do. You cannot permanently, you know, destroy your kid uh, as, as, as an adult. If an adult uh, they, wants to do this, that's different. But as a kid, no, I, you've got to give kids I, the best chance to survive. So they obviously, the most fit parent is the father. And and we, you and I both yep. know that almost in every case we've talked about, whether it's the, the father or the mother, the worst parent always gets custody. The worst. Correct.
2: I, I I agree That's with you. Insane. Unfortunately unfortunately the judge, whose name again is Mary Brown in Dallas County, disagrees with you. And in this particular case, the only opinion that matters is the judge's opinion, as she has determined that mom, I can't remember mom's name right now, but yeah, mom is the fitter parent. So she's given all of the catering can I talk about another case that I found? Yeah,
1: sure. Please do. Yeah, we've we've hashed so it. But this is so illustrative of all the problems though. That's why this is such a good case to analyze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Right. So uh Joanna Rivera and her uh-huh. ex husband Dave Hillard gave what was at one time uh one of like the top ten at Cisco so he was a big deal. He works for something called Brandel now. He's one of the top five at Brandel. Not nearly as big as, as Cisco, but obviously made an enormous amount of money as a as a C-suite executive at Cisco. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a long winding divorce, uh, mm-hmm. and then Dave.
0: Once he made money, right?
2: You, oh, he, <laughs> he made obscene amounts of money. Yes. Oh, good correct. for him. He's worth seven. Yeah seven figures probably eight maybe nine figures is worth an enormous amount of money as a as a top executive at cisco for many years right and so they they moved from california to virginia after he admitted to uh to marital infidelity if you will they moved back to california he mm-hmm. attacked joanna she filed for a protective order he filed for a protective order claiming that she had stolen stuff they gave each party a protective order he Kept both of their daughters, and then refused to 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 allow one of the two daughters to come back to her mom, and then said, "Well, you can't come get her because we have a protective order." And the judge, her last name is Litblau. she allowed this, and obviously, it's this is one of those don't try this at home. If you tried to do that and said, well, I, I'm not giving the child back and there's a protective order, so too bad, so sad. No, the, the judge would not treat you this way. Um, and this is in Marin County, and I might be mis, mispronouncing it, but it's M-A-R-I-N. No, that's right.
1: Yeah, it's, it's right. Marin County. And yeah, I very, used to live there. Yeah, right. well, in very San
2: Francisco. Near. So yeah. Here, here uh-huh. is... Part of my December 2022 article, I should mention find all my stuff at michaelholtby.substack.com, including this article. But here's part Mm -hmm. of my December 22 article. Joanna's ex-husband, Dave Hillard, is a former executive at Cisco who now works at Brando. He misused protective orders to effectively kidnap both children. Here is where David seems to have gotten preferential treatment from the courts. first, both got domestic violence restraining orders against on, on each other. And then the judge, <laughs> Sheila Lichtblau, L-I-C-H-T-B-L-A-U, uh, ordered uh-huh. that the two revert back to a Virginia child custody agreement, which granted David approximately 75% of the custody time. He weaponized the restraining order, Joanna told me. By this, he simply refused to return one daughter for her scheduled custody time. With a restraining order in place, Joanna could not go to his home or she would be arrested. David, Hmm. Joanna tells me, was also monitoring all his oldest daughter's electronics, so there was no way for Joanna to communicate with her one daughter. All the while, he was telling her through court messaging application called Our Family Wizard that the oldest daughter did not want to see her. Per court order, both girls were ordered to attend the private school which cost a lot of money the marin school both oh, her daughters are now experiencing gender dysphoria one of them the oldest has started transitioning the other one calls herself asexual what's happening at the school well they promoted a flyer from another school that says quote calling all gender expansive middle schoolers this flyer is from the trans Formative schools that's a school strictly for trans kids. The Marin school has replaced the American flag outside the school, replaced it with the uh, the gay pride flag. Uh-huh. They have gender neutral bathrooms. They have Legos on their social media. they're painted in the rainbow in the gay pride rainbow colors. This school is just jamming these kids. With this tra- transgender stuff, and it's not surprising that you, both her daughters now—I don't know what asexual means—but uh, both her oh, daughters. Asexual are means no.
1: Means death. you know, there's there's the sexual and asexual. It's like it's like reproduction. Mm-hmm. You, you know, reproduction, reproduced mm-hmm. by having sex or by not having sex. Like like certain things don't have sex. Mm-hmm. I forgot what they are. Uh, like right. like one celled things you know, and, and plants and mm-hmm. certain bacteria, bacteria, germs, things like that. They don't, they just split, they just divide. Cause each, each mm-hmm. well, like a mm-hmm. one celled organism is its own organism it doesn't have sex with another one celled organism. So that's, that's asexual. Uh, we also describe mm-hmm. it with people that have no, <laughs> no, no hormones, whatever, but that's another story. But here's the thing about this school. Mm-hmm. This school is incredibly dangerous. Now let me describe Marin County for those who don't know Marin County is the mm-hmm. county on the other side of the golden gate bridge from San Francisco. It is the most liberal, crazy wacko, wealthy place you can imagine. And so they have enough money to be insane. Uh, And so that's what happens there. Uh, It's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. All the homes are multi-million dollars. Um, it is it, it's, it's spectacular. People uh, park their cars on the rooftops. We live on cliffs in Sausalito. So you've got Sausalito. You've got Mill Valley. You've got some you know, all these other different places. That's where Barbara Boxer lives. That's where, our, well, Nancy Pelosi is in San Francisco. Grace Flick is up there from, uh, from the Jefferson Airplane. You know, it is all mm-hmm. the, it's like the, it's the most liberal, wealthy, one of the most liberal, wealthy places in the country. And so the idea of having a transition school. Uh it's crazy. In one way, in one sense, it's Mm. discriminatory (laughs) because, you know, they don't want if they don't have normal kids, you know. Uh, But what is but this is what I don't understand this, Mike, I don't want your view on this. This is more like the the personal part of this is it's impossible to do what they're doing. Cult. Mm -hmm. These folks are dangerous, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're just Mm -hmm. recruiting more and more and more people into this. And it's the guilt trip. Well, if you don't uh, accept trans, you know, rights, uh, then, then you're some kind of transphobic, whatever. In other words, it's the usual cancel culture, but there's no such thing as trans. So therefore there's no such thing as trans Mm -hmm. rights. So this whole thing is based on Mm -hmm. insanity because you, they're trying to convince people that they can do something that is physically impossible to do. In other words, change your sex. So the whole thing is based on a Mm -hmm. lie. Now, what's interesting, and this is mm-hmm. I want to get your comment on this too before we do another case. There is a split coming between the lesbian, gay, bisexual community and the trans community. The trans have have uh, latched onto the LGB folks and actually are trying to surpass mm-hmm. them in many areas. But there's a split. There's a lot of, uh, and I've got an article on this. So I haven't looked at it for a bit. Mm-hmm. But what's what's your feeling on this? Are you seeing? The same split I am. This is going to make a big difference because if you're a lesbian or you're gay yes. or bisexual, you know you're not changing yourself, you're not surgically altering, I, and you'll have kids that might be straight or might be gay. Right. It doesn't really matter because you're not changing them. But the trans people—that's right. a whole uh, different I, world. What, what do you think? I think I think
2: the split. There's a uh, there's a group called Gays Against Groomers, and
0: this yeah, is heard where of them. the
2: split is coming from. Okay. The split is. I don't know if it's between trans and gay. What well, The split is between all of these groups and then the subset of these groups that thinks you should push this on kids. Uh, and there's a very, of, of all, including uh-huh. trans, of gay, of lesbian, and trans who are appalled by the idea that we have, um, drag queen uh, reading to kids, or that you're pushing the trans issue or the gay issue or any sexuality at kids, uh, just right. as um, just a, as a, as straight people are. My friend Megan Fox, who writes at PJ Media, has done a lot of work on this, on what's happening at the schools and the pushback, and there is a, a significant amount of pushback from the the LGBT uh all of all lesbian gay bi and trans all of those folks who believe that doing this to kids is completely unacceptable and they are standing up against it i don't mm-hmm. th- there might be there may also be a split between the lgb and T community as well but i think where the the real split comes from is from the people mm-hmm. who are saying this this stuff cannot be pushed at kids the way the Marin school is doing. I mean, what does what calling all gender expansive middle schoolers mean? And how many trans kids do we have that we need a school dedicated entirely to trans kids?
1: Well, there are no trans kids. It's a myth. And so, you know, my contention on that. But um, the, like I say, it comes back to this insanity of, of pushing this cult. This school is based on, on a cult. That alone makes it dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, And who are the parents that are allowing this? Now, it, you know, and I, I lived in San Francisco. I was near the Haight, you know, just down the road from the Castro. So I was very close to the gay community of San Francisco. I worked in the tour guide industry. I was a tour guide for, for several years. A lot of tour guides are gay. Uh, it's just an attractive industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I had gay folks back to all the time. And it was, there's a, a huge distinction within the gay community between drag shows of adults. You know, I mean, our Halloween party in the Castro, which was for adults, it was not for kids, was unbelievable. And you want to talk about drag queens? I mean, it was spectacular. But they're adults, mm-hmm. for adults, and everybody knew that. And and, and the gay folks Mm -hmm. I know would be horrified. Uh, You know, in Florida, it's a different Mm -hmm. population. But the gay folks I knew in in California would be horrified of of doing a drag show for children. And and I would Mm -hmm. would be just as horrified uh, seeing a heterosexual strip show for children or a sex show. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You don't do that for kids. Now, Tennessee's got the right idea. They're calling this adult entertainment. So they're they're equal. What they're doing is they're treating uh, Drag Story Hour the same thing as strippers. And say, okay, that's fine. You can do it. But it's, an, it's adult entertainment. You can't do it for kids. And that to me makes the most sense. That's correct. But California's not going to
2: do that. the, Right. That's where I think the big split is coming from,
1: where, okay. with,
2: many, with many in all of these communities standing up to the idea that you should be pushing this on any kids. Let me talk about one last uh, case, and then I've got a theme that's very important. So give me okay. a couple of minutes at it. the end. Aaron? Yeah. Perinzino and her ex-husband, Josh Namur. This is Mm -hmm. a case out of Connecticut. Connecticut is a hotbed for judicial corruption, but let me just read from my article a little bit just to give Mm -hmm. people an idea. In 2012, a Department of Child and Family Services caseworker warned Erin that she would be charged with neglect and abuse if she didn't leave her abusive husband, Josh Namor. The evidence of abuse by Mr. Namor is overwhelming, and I did a podcast with Erin, so again on my site, michaelvolpe.substack.com, you can listen to all of it, but it includes testimony from a Rhode Island detective, hospital reports, and reports by mandated reporters in school, camp, and DCF. So people from all walks of life were approached by her kids to say that dad was physically abusive. What happened by 2016? A woman named Janice Laliberti, who is a notorious figure in Connecticut, became the guardian at Lightham. She had a uh, a guy appointed, and I want to get his name right. Uh, um, let me see. Oh, Co- James Connolly. He gets appointed to do a uh, a custody evaluation, and he determines that no, there's no abuse. Aaron is alienating the kids. They grant Josh, the physical abuser, sole custody. So what's been happening? uh, And I want to read this. One of the kids, one of their kids is even going through gender dysphoria, and this is from a hospital report. Their daughter is a 12-year-old natal female to male transgender, prefers to be called by a male name, and uses he, they pronouns. A 2021 emergency room report states, and here is the key portion later on in the same report, I am suicidal and have been cutting, the child told the doctors. What I believe is happening with a lot of these kids, with most of the the gender dysphoria among kids, is there is abuse in the home. Mm-hmm. And so when you are when you have all of these AB 957 type laws where what you're trying to do is be tolerant, you are not trying to solve the problem. This is a cry for help for the most part with these kids. They are in abusive homes they, and that's why they want to transition. Not all of them, but many of them. And so by by doing this tolerance thing, you're not solving the problem. This kid, yeah. He's going through gender dysphoria. More importantly, he's suicidal, or she, or whatever the whatever they're, they're supposed to be called. And why? Because the courts have ignored a mountain of abu- evidence of abuse and granted sole custody to the physical abuser. And so that child is being abused over and over and over again. Same thing is happening with Dave Hillard, and there's a mountain of abuse and of evidence of abuse in that case. And lo and behold in that case you got two kids transitioning in this case you got one kid transitioning it's not surprising they're in abusive homes and we're going to look back with all of these laws and all of this tolerance and realize that our policy makers were trying to solve a problem that wasn't there instead of trying to find the problem that is there if you mm-hmm. have if you have a child who doesn't believe they're the gender that they started with, that's a huge problem. They are, and I believe I'm using this properly, literally uncomfortable in their own skin. That's a really, really big problem. And if your solution is to be tolerant, well, look, that's not the worst thing because I know that we were, when I was growing up, we were very intolerant to all kinds of kids. And Oh, trust me about that. I'm
1: here as an immigrant. I I know about intolerance. (laughs) You know, uh, the 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 black kids hated me because I was white, and the white kids hated me because I was Australian and different. So believe I I I know prejudice. (laughs) I know exactly what it's like. Right,
0: and
2: and the kids hated me because I was. I wasn't suicidal over it. I
1: didn't want to transition over it. Well, here's the question for you, Michael. This is. It it seems to me this is very strange that this is you know I mean of all the problems that I had growing up, of all the the strange situations I was in, you know, thank God it was it was back in the in the 70s. You know, when I came here, um, because if I had come to this country now with all the problems I had adapting to the United States and, and some teacher said, well, what your real problem is, is that you're really a woman, Greg. You know, you're you're really female. You're trapped in a man's body. Let's transition you and you can you'll be comfortable. You'll be happy. You know, your peers will accept you and life will be great. Thank God that didn't happen. But think about that. So what's Mm -hmm. really going on here Mm -hmm. is that that I think this is mostly from parents and and teachers and everybody else. I don't think kids – kids may want to pretend to be a different gender, but they don't want to surgically alter themselves. You know, And where did it come mm-hmm. from that somehow the, 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 the answer to kids' problems of identity, because all kids have identity problems. Every, you, you can't grow up without an identity problem of, of wondering who you are, how you fit into the universe, how you fit in your family, how you fit in your, your society, how you fit in your school. This is why some kids play sports, and, like, I did music because I suck at sports. But I found a group. Every, every kid wants to be accepted. So how did it come about mm-hmm. that one of the ways to be accepted is to mutilate your body and take a bunch of chemicals and, and, and do something that's impossible, you know, change your gender? See, this didn't happen 10 years right. ago. This is new. This is a right. new phenomenon. Oh. And so because it's new, I know that it's wrong <laughs> because we never used to do this. You know, kids always have problems. Right. And what's wrong if a three-year-old says, you know, I want to, I you know, three-year-old boy says, I want to wear a dress. Great. Wear all the dresses you want. What do I care? Yeah, no big deal. Right. But you don't change. You don't, you don't surgically alter them because they said that that's insane that's irrational so how much right. of this michael do you think is is, is uh, parental influence in other words when they say you know my child wanted to do this well i guarantee you that parent you know brainwashed that kid influenced that kid right. probably you know withheld love from that kid and said well i only love you if you mm-hmm. transition to to uh to the opposite sex then then you'll be loved and appreciated i mean that's really the message that i think happens a lot of times these people are cruel and to, and to give custody to any parent that wants to surgically alter and chemically mutilate their kids, or sur- surgically mutilate, mm-hmm. chemically alter, uh, should never have custody. Should never have kids in the first place because they're dangerous.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're psychologically warped. They're dangerous. You can't do what they're trying to do, and 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 everybody's going along with this like this is somehow okay. It's not. That's my view. Right.
2: I don't. I. I. It. It had parental influence had a huge role in the in the younger case. I don't uh-huh. I don't know what role it had in Joanna Rivera's case. I don't know what role it had in the Perenzino case, except to say that I firmly believe that there is a direct line between uh-huh. the abuse that those kids are suffering and their gender dysphoria. I don't know if the dads, and in both cases it's the dads, w- was encouraging the kids to, to change genders, but I am like 99% certain that the dads in both cases were physically abusing their kids, and I believe there's a direct correlation between the well, So, a a direct so li-
1: if, if, let's follow this here, because I think so if a father is sexually abusing a daughter. Uh, or just abusing a daughter abusing. and that daughter physically right. abusing. And then the daughter says, okay, well, if I were a boy, my father wouldn't be abusing me because that'd make him gay. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, is that kind right. of thing or, going or, on in kids' heads?
2: Right. Or, or some other logic in the same realm like that. I, if I become a boy, this abuse will stop. Uh, I, right. I, I, Whatever the logic is, yes, I believe that's what's happening, that there's a direct link between this abuse. And I believe that we'll look back in, in some time and realize that, that that all of these liberals were trying to be tolerant to these kids and rather than solving no. the problem, which in, in the most this part was abuse. Yeah, it was they abuse the in abuse. the home. But look, mm-hmm. right, but look, we, we had... When I was growing up, I think you're a bit older than me, but when I was growing up, we had the equivalent of this. <laughs> right? Okay, we we had the equivalent of this when I was uh-huh. growing up. It was the kids who dressed in goth and cut themselves um and that was a what do you think that is of course that's a cry for help uh, there was one girl who kid
0: well dressing in exactly gothic and i
1: thought goth was was pretty cool i mean i was a big fan of steampunk i love that stuff you know but the cutting mm-hmm. that's different that's a cry for help so if you distinguish between what? the two you know in san francisco the, the city of of independence everybody dressed in black I said, you're not independent you're all mm-hmm. you're just exactly the same <laughs> you know I said so oh yeah but we yeah. identified we're all we're all different no you're not <laughs> but the,
0: yeah, that was
1: the big joke there's,
0: there's
2: two there's two differences nobody was encouraging you to cut yourself on the right. flip side those kids became huge outcasts and they were demeaned and uh and then abused by their peers so whatever problems that they were going through mm-hmm. we weren't doing this well our society was perpetuating their problems because they, their, their cry for help was not met with understanding and kindness. It was met uh-huh. with meanness in general. So yeah. it isn't. I don't think we got it right thirty years ago. But but uh, tolerance of gender transition makes it the other way. Uh, and you are perpetuating the symptom rather than fixing the problem. And in my opinion, in most of these cases maybe not all, but definitely in most of these cases, you are looking at abuse in the home and that is the reason why the children are, are, are experiencing gender dysphoria. That's what I think is happening with young well, parents. Yeah, gender dysphoria children. has
1: to be introduced, Michael. It, it, you know, I don't, I don't like mm. the, you know, I, I, uh, the word tolerance to me doesn't apply to this at all. This isn't tolerance. This is an agenda. This is a, a new agenda. To, it's a new trendy thing, whereas it used to be cool for your kids to be gay. Now it's cool for your kids to be trans. You know, it used to be cool several years ago for your kids to be ethnic. It didn't matter, or goth or whatever it was. Whatever it is, you know, kids want to fit in. Uh, and this is the way that they're fitting. And mm-hmm. the problem is, these are, have tragic, permanent consequences. Let me get to Marco over in uh, the Netherlands. Typed in a couple of things. He says, if your child is six and asks for a tattoo, every parent says no. However, if the child asks to transition to another gender, people say sure. I mean, he's absolutely right. You can't get an aspirin in school that, without parents' permission, is, but you can you can get an abortion is. and you can uh, you can get uh, you know chemically castrated. I mean, this is, we're in an insane what? world.
2: That, that's exactly right. And he just described the problem with the younger case. At three, James Mm -hmm. said he wanted to pretend to be a girl. At five, he Mm -hmm. said he wanted to stop pretending. That's what mom said under oath in response to a question, not from the other attorney, but from her attorney. This is what Mm -hmm. mom said. And your guy is right. If he had said at five, I want to get a tattoo, would you have gotten him a tattoo? No. So how <laughs> yeah. come when he said, I just want to stop pretending to be a girl, you said, okay, well, then I guess I want to stop pretending to be a girl. I just want to be a girl. You said, okay. You yeah. wouldn't give yeah. him a tattoo. If he said, I want to get a beer, you wouldn't give him a beer. If he said, I want to be a pirate, you wouldn't send him off on a ship.
1: Yeah, with well, a couple How
2: come when he <laughs> – Right. Yeah. So how come when he said, I want to stop pretending to be a girl and just be a girl, you said, sure. And how come that's all right?
1: Yeah. No, it's a good question. I don't and know. It, I, look, uh, well, I well, you, let me ask you – uh, go ahead. That's another question.
2: It's all right because Judge Mary Brown said it's all right. That's yeah, my all so right.
1: The I, yeah, the judge is the problem. Yeah, the judge is the problem here. Um, you know, mm-hmm. how many parents – I know a lot of my friends. You know, their parent wanted uh, a, a different sex child. Uh, I, I know uh, – you know, several that, people. That, you know and, what? And what they did, and what they did with Younger their kids was. Says,
2: that's exactly, that's exactly what Younger said. Oh. That's exactly what Mr. Okay. Younger said. She yeah. wanted a girl. He thinks that she wanted a girl. That's exactly what he said.
1: Yeah. I uh, think my absolutely. mother would have been happier with a girl. <laughs> I mean, she always wanted a daughter, which is right. fine. Uh, and just, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, I, I don't remember ever have, being influenced to be a girl. Or, tr- or my folks never mm-hmm. tried to do that to me, um, which is good. You know, but uh, like I say, but um, how many parents go for, her? you know, how many parents take their, how many fathers take their daughters who wanted a son? Well, a little girl, we're going hunting. We, you know, we're going to go out and kill animals. We're going to do man stuff. You know, I mean, this happens, right? Yeah. Right. And then the girls, you know, as because I know with my own daughter, you know, we would do the, the hairbread thing in the stores and I'd also teach her how to shoot. So, But it wasn't because she was a girl or not because she was a girl. It didn't matter. We, we did every activity you could think of because that's what I thought was the right thing to do as a dad. You know, but these parents mm-hmm. that really want one sex. Now, here's the thing. So you take a wacko parent. A lot of parents say, gee, I really wish I had a daughter, but I got a son. What am I going to do? Or I really wish I had a son. You know, I, you know, or I really like, wish, you know, whatever, whatever you know, they wish for, they don't have.
2: All, okay. Almost but, all, all of those parents, they get over yeah, in about five minutes.
1: Exactly. Because once your kid's yeah. your kid, you know, you don't care. Um, do you have kids, Michael? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. I do. I do, but we're not going to get into it. But the the thing is, though, that, uh, you know, whereas parents used to say, gee, I really wanted a a son, but I got a daughter. So my daughter goes hunting with me or I really wanted a daughter, but I have a son. So I taught him how to cook. You know, I'm just doing stereotypes right now. But that was in in those Mm -hmm. days. That was just kind of, you know, okay, a little, you know, a little goofy, but it's okay. Now parents can say, I really wanted a daughter and then going to make my son a daughter or I really wanted a son. I'm going to make my daughter a son. When they can't do it, so what we've done is we—it's like Twilight Zone. We've taken what what used to be kind of goofy, you know, mm-hmm. tomboys, that kind of stuff, you know, and and had people, mm-hmm. you know, do different things according to their cycles which I don't believe in anyway. Um, but now not actually physically do that, and with tragic results, you got forty—was it forty percent of those who go through this kind of surgery and chemical uh, alteration commit suicide or, or attempt suicide? Forty percent, right? That's almost well, half. Because you're That's insane.
2: you there, there are very significant, deep-seated issues that you are going through. If you are a boy, but you believe you should be a girl, uh, that that's correct. And many of them yeah. regret it and and, and want to go back. And I think there are actually surgeries that reverse it. Um, that's correct. But look, you know, a tomboy is not that big a deal. Uh, And it's fine for kids to explore all kinds of things. And, you know, a lot of these tomboys grew up to be sportscasters in traditionally male roles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how many female sportscasters cover the NFL or the NBA? Uh, And before puberty,
1: boys and girls aren't that different. I mean, we look a little different, but in terms mm -hmm. of body and ability and physical stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, puberty Mm -hmm. is what changes everything. You know, makes, you know, makes kids into, Mm -hmm. you know, men and women. You know, and so to do something right. before that happens is insane too, because you you've missed that whole transition. Hey, you wanted to sum up with something, I've got Rebecca Hardy's gonna join us anytime now, so go ahead and give me whatever it was.
2: Right. I did some I summed it up by saying that I believe that, that this gender dysphoria craze that's happening in the in the world is primarily being driven by abuse in the homes. So all of this tolerance that you are doing, you are looking at the symptom of the problem in most of the cases. You're not identifying the actual problem. So with respect to Assemblywoman Wilson and Assemblyman Wiener, I think you're not solving the real problem with this bill, AB 957. Uh, And then catch my work, michaelvolpe.substack.com.
1: And thanks for having me. Well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been really fun. And I have my own Substack too. In fact, I have, I'm going to be putting out my, my right. conservative glossary, um, but I've got articles. I'll right. say the one you want to read is The Nation of Government. That's the one I wrote about a See. month ago and,
0: talking about Washington, D.C.
1: as its own country uh, and that the, and the states have become colonies. Full, Go ahead. Huh?
2: What is the full web address of your
1: sub Substack? Okay.
2: Check Check that out. All right. Have a good rest of the show. I'll talk to you later. Thanks very
1: much. Take care, Michael. This is so much fun. Yesterday, I was by myself. <laughs> Marco in the Netherlands, who's, uh, who's texting into us here on the live chat, uh, knows that he says, I can't believe you talked for three hours. And I'm like, I can't believe I talked for three hours either. But today, I don't have to. Today, I've got people. <laughs> you know, i got some of my favorite people. I just had Michael Volpe. And now I've got one of my other favorite persons who I have not done. Um, I don't know if I've done my, my guest. of the. I already did the guest of the day thing for Michael, but I want to do it again. This is kind of fun. So this our second guest of the day, Rebecca Hardy. So one of my heroes and one of the folks doing the the right stuff and fighting the good fight uh, is uh, Rebecca Hardy of Texans for Vaccine Choice. And so she's gone a couple of times. We're going to hear the latest. I want to know what's going on with the Texas legislature. But the whole idea that the government can mandate something being injected to your body is insane. We still have our Constitution. We still have our rights. And people need to know that, and they don't. So let's bring on Rebecca, and uh, we'll find out what's going on uh, with the latest. So let's give her a round of applause, first of all. there we go. Good to have you back. Hey, Hello, Crusader. Good
3: How are good you? Kidding.
1: I'm having a great time. Uh, like I say, I got I had to talk for three hours yesterday because I had my three reporters were all off, <laughs> you know, doing stuff. So today it's much better. So I have Michael's well, first, then I have you, well, and then we have CJ, and then the third hour doing our, our wellness watch. So uh, you're 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 right in the middle.
4: Well, terrific. I'll be the. So what meat. you been doing? The two bread yeah. and I'll be the neat in the middle. Yeah, exactly, so you exactly. know, like you said in your introduction, I we are in the middle of a legislative session here in uh-huh. our state legislature in Texas, and let me—the headline is medical liberty is Win- winning. We have the Yay. momentum. Um, uh, we had uh, about sixty—that six zero—good bills filed this session, which uh, just for perspective for your listeners in sessions past. Uh, you know, TFEC, that's our acronym, Texans for Vaccine Choice, TFEC, we've existed since 2015. So I like to say we were for vaccine choice before it was cool to be for vaccine choice. Uh, But uh, so we are not new to the legislative process and the session in Texas. In sessions past, we've been lucky to get, you know, 10 good bills filed and we had to, you know, be extremely scrappy to even get those 10 filed and some sessions it was closer to 5 or 6 good bills filed and then we were always always be playing defense with the 12 to 2 dozen bad bills that were filed every session so the fact that we have 60 good bills in play is somewhat mind blowing and is i think a very significant testimony to two things. I think it's a testimony to how significantly Big Pharma overplayed their hand during the COVID response. And Mm -hmm. if I can just toot our own horn here at TFPC, I think it's a testimony to the years we have spent building relationships with our electeds. And uh, we are, uh, it's kind of a combination of both of those. Like we are established established reputation.
1: (laughs) It just keeps going, Rebecca. You're just doing such good stuff.
4: Thank you. We have, you know, the the known reputation in the, our Capitol building combined with a lot of newly um, awake people to just how much Big Pharma has an undue influence in nearly mm-hmm. every aspect of our lives. We are just uh, getting... You know, we, we even have some Democrats that have made correct committee votes, that have signed on to good bills. I mean, it's a whole oh my God. new world in the Texas Oh, my capital. God. <laughs> I
1: know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Democrats doing the right thing, you know. And this is why we, well, I think I'm you and not I are both – <laughs> Go Good. Well, I should say we're both nonpartisan. I mean, I, I have criticized, uh, as much as I love Donald Trump, I have criticized him for years over everything he did on COVID that was wrong, which is everything after Dr. Zelenko. Uh, I have criticized mm-hmm. the Republicans. I, I call the GOP the gelding old party, and yet the Democrats I will criticize well, even more because they're a bunch of Marxists. However.
0: <laughs> you know, um,
1: every once in a while, you know, uh, some, something happens or someone. I want to talk to you about Robert Francis Kenney a little bit, too, because I think this is fascinating what's happening with him. But uh, but the, mm-hmm. every once in a while, you know, if you're nonpartisan, that's a huge thing. I mean, Democrats can do the right thing. Republicans do, can do the right thing. I think parties in general are the problem. I think that's one of the biggest obstacles to to our progress. But every once in a while, you never know, because, uh, you know, uh, if you can get past the party and reach the person and you go, look, this makes sense. You know, we're in America. We believe in, in choices for everything. You know, you can, you can choose the kosher hot dog or the non-kosher hot dog. You know, you can choose whatever you want to choose. You can watch football. You can watch soccer. You know, this is America. So why shouldn't you be able to choose yes. whether you inject yourself with a vaccine or not? I mean, that's just that's just basic to all of us. We all start off as, as free well, people until you're indoctrinated. Yeah, go
0: ahead.
4: Correct. And, you know, in the, the concept of vaccine choice and informed consent, these should be Mm-hmm. Non-partisan human rights issues. I completely agree. It is, you know, we get somewhat, I guess, for lack of a better word, accused of making this a bar- a party issue. And I'm like, we nope, not. did not draw the line, the battle lines here. Mm-hmm. The 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 Democrats did. Like this is not. We did not do this. So. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I'm not I just want to clarify, it hasn't been a, you know, tsunami of Democrats, but I we are uh, just like, we you we are, if equal opportunities, uh, equal opportunity yeah. criticizers, it does not matter what initial is after your your name, R or D, but we mm-hmm. are also equal opportunity praisers. And when people get it right, we will, we will make sure they are uh, recognized and our appreciation for good behavior is extended.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to ask about the Texas legislature because that operates differently. Uh, and also to let you know, mm-hmm. we have Marco. Marco's in the Netherlands. He, he joins us pretty much every day now. So we get the European perspective. So if you have a question about what's going on in Europe, I can get you an instant response or like within a minute. That's um, great. So it's really cool. This show is expanding worldwide uh, very, very greatly. And so I'm just waiting for folks to start using the Skype line to call in. And so we'll start getting international. But the Texas legislature is different than other states. Um, do you only meet two, once every two years, and it's a limited session. Correct. Tell me about the Texas legislature. How do you guys operate?
4: Yep. So, uh, oh, good. I, li- I like getting nerdy. So thank you. And I use that as oh, a term nerd. of endearment in my house. I'm, I'm the nerd yes.
1: warrior. Rebecca, I'm the nerd warrior. I want to yes. teach her. this. is I am the nerd warrior. Dun, 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 I like dun, that. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 well,
4: dun. from one nerd, one policy wonk or policy nerd to another, let's dive in. So, yep. in Texas, and it. I'll keep this brief, over high high level. But in Texas, we have a we like to say it's a two-year political cycle. So let's uh, just kind of put a pin in that in that cycle and say maybe the session kicks it off of the two-year cycle. So every for five months, every odd year in Texas. The legislature meets so hundred and forty days of roughly five months um, give or take a few days uh, January through May uh, in mm-hmm. the odd years our legislature meets now the governor can call special sessions um, I, I if I were a betting woman I would uh, put my money on yes we're going to have at least one special session after this session um, and we we can talk about that later. But um, sure. so we meet there. And then after the regular session meets, essentially campaign season starts. And so because it's a, you know, our legislature only meets every other year, we have a ridiculously long campaign season in texas i can't even really wrap my brain around states where their legislature meets every year it's like so you only have like a three-month primary i mean i just i can't oh, wait a, even, a minute
1: california they, got, they meet all year they <laughs> take california is like congress i mean this is one of the reasons i left the state is wow. the legislature is always in session so your your property and your rights are always in danger as opposed to texas where they are only is, in danger that, for that five a, months every other year <laughs> it's completely correct yeah. well
4: and i say yeah. that all the time i mean I when that legislature is in session, your rights are on the line for better or for worse. And yes, having such a limited legislative session does make getting good bills over the finish line very difficult. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the the other side has the same hurdles that we have. And so, you know, it's, it's the entire system is somewhat set up to make it difficult to pass legislation. And I think. That
1: is, you know. Oh, I don't mind that. That's not my problem. My problem with this, and I I think uh, that you, you, as Texans, may want to evaluate this, is that the pace of change is so great. If you're only meeting every other year with a COVID mandate, that means the legislature can't consider overturning that mandate. You know, if it comes in, you know, on the on the even year until you get to your to the the next year for legislation, that's too long. Unless you call a special session.
4: That's yeah, go ahead, that's the kicker there is for okay. better or for worse, my position is that our governor should have called the legislature into special session immediately after he declared his very first emergency you know, emergency declaration um in March of twenty twenty. That should have triggered a special session. Again, for better or for worse, call those electeds in to discuss the pandemic because what he essentially did was give cover to all of the state reps and all of the state senators. And so, you know, he, he knew that he could kind of take the brunt of the arrows and still essentially get reelected because he has a $70 million war chest. And I just want to point out that even, you know, last this week, uh, Biden ended the national emergency, well, guess what? Texas is. Texas is still under emergency orders from our governor. We are the only Republican-led state in the country still with an emergency declaration.
1: So why would you call Abbott conservative? <laughs> he's not. He's not conserving the Constitution. He's not conserving not, rights. He's not conserving anything. I would never
4: anything. call him conservative. Yes. I mean, know. I, okay. I, um, I, you know, I voted for him in the general election. He was not my pick in the primary. Um, it's, un, it's unfortunate that we, we he's had a 30-year career. He's essentially never worked in the private sector. He, out of law school, he started clerking for a Supreme Court justice, and then he just rose through the race. So he, our governor, has never held like a private sector Job he's never signed a paycheck or well I guess he has as governor but you know what I mean like a you know
0: right. yeah. a non-state
4: yeah. paycheck and so um, it it is um, it's frustrating we had two three at least three viable contenders were in the primary and um, you know I don't think any of those contenders thought it was going to be a um, an easy you know an easy ride. That primary, I mean, they all knew it was going to be an uphill battle. It's very hard to go against an incumbent, much less one with a, you know, overflowing war chest. But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it, me, was, um... it was frustrating.
1: Yeah, I just want to hold you up for a second. I've got uh, one of my uh, special friends on the line here, Deb Viglione, Dr. Dr. Deborah Viglione, I should be more specific here, uh, co-author of COVID-19 Vaccines and Beyond. Uh, we've got a rally going on here Friday, um, so we're going to get you out here for one of these, um, but I thought you two would be able to help each other and, and get in touch and uh, do all kinds of stuff. So, uh, Deborah, you're on with Rebecca Hardy of uh, Texans for Vaccine Choice. Good morning.
5: Hey, Rebecca. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. So, um I'm doing? I, I want to get to know you and, and have you up here. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, what's the latest? What? Uh, so, let's get to what's happening with you with right now. Uh, you've got a conference, I guess, on Saturday. The the I get two minutes to speak on Friday. But what's happening? There, are like other COVID developments, um, because Rebecca, um, <laughs> Deborah deals with with actual, with deals with patients, deals with this directly has been dealing with COVID since it started you know, one of the heroes who had the innovative treatments and actually saved people. So that's just to get you guys – good. I know you don't know a lot about each other yet, so we'll – you know, hopefully you'll chat off the air uh, and get going. But, uh, Deborah, just before we get back to Rebecca's uh, information here, what's uh, – any new COVID developments we should know about? Because this might help her uh, as well.
0: Well, no,
5: I don't really want to say too much because I think there is something going on. Um, mm. more in the way of viral shedding. Um, I've seen some cases where people – got into some serious problems that um, they weren't vaccinated and they were set on. And I got by an artist looking into it because I think there's something going on. I don't know what it is. But my focus now is trying to figure out, and I think most of us, how to get this spike protein out of our body. And, of course, the people that had the vaccine, if it's in their DNA, how do we get it out? And that's kind of where we're working towards. And we'll talk about that some on a a conference on Saturday, you know, the latest developments and different protocols. It's very individual. So I know people are going to be disappointed because I can't go into that at the rally because it's so individual. But the rally, we're still dealing with medical tyranny. We're still dealing with tyranny. And so it starts out, we've got people who are activists, doctors telling their stories, what's going on. And then we're going to move into the second part into what do we do as citizens and um, some of the things that went on with the election, election integrity, how do we get back where our vote counts? How do we stop the cheating? And, you know, because at this point we have to take action. We have to change what's going on. We have to change the, the system. Now I spent the day at the Capitol yesterday with the medical freedom caucus uh, movement within the Florida medical association uh, to uh, get medical liberty back to stop some of these atrocious things that are going on in our state. And uh, we got Representative Rudman elected, and he's put a couple of bills together that are, are doing well for medical freedom, and everyone we talk to is in supportive of it. It's stupid. We should have First Amendment rights, but apparently as physicians. We don't. If we're going against the narrative, you know, they're taking our licenses, threatening our boards. So we're moving through the system, but that's what we need, that people to understand it's not over. You know, this is David against Goliath, and we have to keep fighting and, you know, and go through the system, create new systems. Anyway, so it's a a gathering to pump people up and make them aware of what's going on and and how they can take part and help get our country back.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, I have our two big bills for vaccine product viability and uh, uh, ending big tech censorship. We'll talk about those in a bit. So, Rebecca, uh, do you have some words for, for, for Deborah in terms of what you've been able to do? You've got 60 bills that are good. And, and so, so, Rebecca's <laughs> been doing this for a while. You know, she's, what, five years at least of working with the Texas legislature? Eight. So did, yeah. Eight years. Okay. It's even better. So, how are you guys doing it and what are you doing? And how can, we, how can that help us in Florida?
4: Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's not for the faint of heart, I will just say, but, you know, getting in that building, having daily presence at your Capitol, getting appointments, meeting with the lawmakers early, you know, I I say this, you know, that first legislative session when we kind of were scrambling in response to a bad bill, that was filed back in 2015. We had a, a state rep that filed a mandate bill that would have removed exemptions for Texas students. And so we were definitely behind the eight ball, you know, trying to figure out how to get involved, uh, while, when session was already six weeks in. Um, and I remember sitting in a committee hearing, having all of those uh, legislators discussing taking away my rights up on their you know, their podium, their dais, if you will. And I remember thinking, we are too late. This started back in the ballot box, you know? <laughs> like, we need to yeah. back this train up and get involved in every aspect of the legislative session uh, cycle, including elections. And so, I mean, we were definitely behind the eight ball that first session, but we got in there, we got meetings, we, you know, we were in... <laughs> really spinning things up out of thin air just because we didn't know how, you know, that first session, we like to say, we didn't know what we were doing, but by golly, we did it very well. (laughs) And so, you know, fast forward eight, eight years later, we have it pretty much down. I mean, it is, there's a lot of days where it just feels like um, a game or Kabuki theater, but you know, games can be figured out and you can learn to play. And um, so we, we, get involved in elections we we help those that are supportive of us we support primary challengers who are um who have said no this isn't right i'm going to challenge this person that has not stood for our rights in the state legislature and so we get involved at the primary level if there's a district that appears uh flippable. We don't have many purple districts in Texas, but there are a handful. We will get involved in those as well. So um truly getting involved and getting to know the legislators early and building those constituent relationships early because you know if you show up in the middle of the session and just say, Hey, vote good on that bill, they just they don't know you from Moses. You know, you have to build those relationships and you have to establish yourself as the reasonable voice of vaccine choice. You know, we are, we're not here to take away oh, anybody's vaccines.
1: Th- that's a bumper sticker yeah. right there. <laughs> the reasonable voice of vaccine choice. You said that intentionally. You can't fool me.
4: <laughs> well, it's just one of our little, you know, one of our little taglines, if you will. So, okay. um so yeah, it, that's probably my best advice is to, you know, really, I mean, and, and like I said, I mean, it's not easy work. I mean, having, if if other state legislatures are set up like Texas, I mean, even just getting to the Capitol is a humongous, you know, just logistical nightmare in many respects. And it was, you know, Tuesday I had a, opportunity to snag a seat on a charter bus that was making a day trip to the capital and back. Yeah, and the I, What a blessing that was. <laughs>
1: You're your page, yeah. <laughs> to not oh, have I've to, had people call my yes, show not, from bus rides to Tallahassee. So, I mean, uh, we've had groups do that. So, so, yeah. It, it seems yeah, like the... But
4: it was a tremendous well, Rebecca, blessing to not have to drive myself. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's here's what's happening. This is why it's good to have both of you on the show. The advocates have to become almost doctors, and the doctors have to become almost advocates. <laughs> it's like you almost mm-hmm. have to do both to really understand this problem. Um, what do you think of that? And, and do you have any comments on what Rebecca said for for advice for you guys?
5: I think you're right. I felt like a fish out of water yesterday. I mean, totally okay. born to me. But um, it was good. I mean, I connected with them. I've got their cell phones. Exactly what you said. We started a relationship on um, common ground. In fact, I even prayed over one of the representatives. And he shared his story. He bared his soul, and, and I prayed for him. Wow. It was,
4: it was amazing. Cool. Yeah.
1: So there, I never thought about this, but there are legislators who are personally affected. They either have been injured, uh, sometimes critically, by the vaccine, or they know people have been injured. They might have family members. They may have lost family members. How do you deal, let's go Rebecca back on this one. How do you deal with that? I mean, you know, cause I know there are people, I don't know if they want to say that cause they want to keep things on the, uh, on the political level. Well, here's our legislation here. We're for it. We're against it. But you have people with real life consequences out there that are in the legislature right now. Rebecca.
4: Yes. You know, and that's been very interesting. And some of the huh. committee hearings we have had even, um, I mean, it's very interesting. It's um even we had one hearing and a Democrat on the, the the committee started talking about her best friend and her, I don't can't remember if it was twins or twi- triplets, but, mm-hmm. you know, she said they've never been the same after this shop visit. And, you know, yeah. you just can't uh, ignore it. And so, and that was a Democrat who said that. And we mm-hmm. have another one, um, You know, a a newly elected state rep has shared with our legislative director that he has a child that was horribly, devastatingly um, injured by his his vaccines, and they've made other choices for their um, subsequent children. And so we are getting, I think, to a tipping point where Hmm. hardly anyone is not impacted by vaccine injury. I mean, even if it's not you or your family, it's a family that you know closely. And I, this is reflected when I, you know, we, I, me and my team travel all over the state doing speaking engagements, uh, you know, nearly, you know, we probably have a couple of events a week. And when I speak, I do, uh, you know, kind of after I do my little introduction, I take a very informal poll of the, of the audience and I ask them, you know, I'm, obviously this is an informal and, you know, participation is not required. We're all about informed consent here at TFEC. but uh-huh. um, if you or someone you know is vaccine injured, would you please raise your hand? And I always qualify it. I say not someone you know, like your brother's you know, wives cousins, best friends, you know, sister, you know, like it is, you have this person's phone number in your cell phone. Like you could call this person that is vaccine injured in your life. If that, if you know somebody like that, raise your hand. I will tell you, if I had asked that question four years ago, I would say mm-hmm. probably 10% of the audience would have raised their hand. Now we're getting well over half of any given audience is raising their hands. And wow. let's pretend that, half of that half is is wrong, it's still too many. Like, it is too big of a problem to ignore now. And I think we're seeing that with that, that rolls over into our electeds as well, to, to your point, Greg.
1: I'm just thinking, if you two want to talk to each other directly, I can I can just hang back for because this is a great opportunity because I I know you guys haven't met, but you're doing the same work in different ways. You know, one from the political side, one from the medical side. Um, Let me ask Deborah a question: Would you ever offer to the representatives? You know, say, look, hold a, a program. This this might be really interesting. This might be interesting for Rebecca too to have a vaccine injury workshop. Where you actually go to the legislature and say, here's how you recover you know, from, from vaccine injury, or here's a way you can start to do it, or even if you don't have any symptoms or problems yet, here's how you can purge possibly the spike proteins, the blood clots from your system, you know, take a D-dimer test for, to see if you have blood clots and things like that. If you approach it that way, anybody that comes to you, they're automatically predisposed to thinking that there's a problem with the vaccines. Uh, it might be a novel way to mm-hmm. do it, but uh, could you, Deborah? Would you think and, and Rebecca? Let's just start with Deborah on this one. Um, could you offer a program directly to the legislature, so we you know, and make it public? Say, look, we're going to offer vaccine injury recovery because now you've totally changed the debate So not is there a problem, but how do we recover from it? I mean, psychologically, I think it would be very strategic, but it would also be a good thing to do. Deborah,
5: it would. Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about on Saturday. You know what we okay. know to this point. And I'm willing to go anywhere, you know, and do it. That That's a very interesting approach. I don't know if you listen to the High wire this,
1: <laughs> this is what we do at on Action Radio. We brainstorm. This, wire, this is the workshop. Yeah. It
5: was yeah. pretty disturbing. Um, Del Bigtree was debating, um, and I, I'm blanking on his name, who's um, been very vocal for the vaccines. And, uh, you know, they got into an argument. Was it Neil deGrasse? Yeah. And, yeah. And I want to write a letter because the guy totally missed it, you know, when he was talking about consensus. And this is a whole different ballgame. There was no scientific method applied to this COVID shot. And the consensus was based on false data that that Pfizer put out that it was 95% effective. And so the medical community adopted it, and they were told that. I mean, you know, they just completely missed the point, It it really angered me because it wasn't an argument about scientific method. It was, you know, completely different situation here. And medical consensus in this case was completely wrong. And it's all coming out. You know, yeah. Naomi
1: Watts is doing uh, some amazing. Naomi Wolf, excuse me, is doing some amazing stuff with this. Yeah, Rebecca, go ahead.
4: Yeah, the idea of doing a vaccine injury recovery panel is is really for the actual legislators is uh is a new idea. It's it's uh interesting. No, to I think literally about. just
1: thought I, of it. We came it. out on the show like 2 minutes ago. <laughs> you know, so that, but that's that's how we work. No, here. it's
4: wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah i am like, actually participating a, in a or, in a panel, of
5: Yeah, different people on it. Go ahead, different. That. Pierre Corey, myself, Brian Cole. You know, we could have a lot of people, you know, on there. Uh, it would be very interesting. It would be an eye-opening for them, I believe.
1: Yeah, then you go to Congress. And you have
5: to- <laughs> yeah. you Get Matt Gaetz is- to sponsor
1: it. You know, Matt Gaetz is our congressman. Let's get him yeah. to sponsor it. A vaccine recovery All workshop right. for Congress. Well, here's my contention, too. And, Rebecca, I don't know if you've thought about this. Um, Brian Sicknick, the, uh, the, the Capitol Police Officer who died, you know, like the day or so after January 6th you know, what we call the Capitol Hill invitational walk-in. I think he was the first COVID shot victim because they had the COVID shot on Capitol Hill mid-December. And this is three weeks later. So it's well within the possibility that he developed enough blood clots in his system to get two strokes at the age of 40, a healthy police officer. Otherwise, what do you think?
4: You know, at this point, I, I, I uh, think that all of these just uh, inexplicable and sudden death must be attributed to the vaccine until in, in or unless it's proven otherwise. I mean, I know that we have that. That's not a original phraseology from Rebecca Hardy. Let's be clear. That's um, something that Dr. Malhotra and Dr. McCullough have been uh, the the drumbeat they have been um,
0: mm-hmm.
4: been promoting is until proven otherwise. There's no other explanation that's reasonable. We even had a state rep get up on the House floor a couple of weeks ago to do a resolution. So, you know, sidebar, resolutions have no weight of law. It's more of a, you know, commemorative, symbolic, um, you know, legislative measure that they are laying out. And he uh-huh. had the audacity. He's a doctor out of the, you know, greater Houston area. And he had the audacity to discuss the, the genetic epidemic of myocarditis in his resolution. So, oh, um, I like
1: I, I'm sorry. I know. I I cannot. know you, uh,
4: no, I mean, the, we, got so, we were so humored by this. I mean, the, just the tone deafness of, of, that the medical profession is still pushing is, is mind-blowing at times.
1: Wow. Deborah, this is fascinating.
4: No,
5: I, I, I'm, I'm blown away. So now we have genetics. Yeah, I can't believe it. Listen, I'm going to have to get off because my treatment's about over. I'm in traction for my back. Well, actually,
0: oh, I Oh, my have goodness. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so this is devotion yeah. to Action Radio. It, one of my favorite people calls an interaction in treatment calls Action Radio. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're you're amazing. amazing.
5: I do this once a month, and it, it helps with my bulging disc.
1: Oh my goodness! Let's give you a round of applause yep. too. Hang <laughs> on. There
5: you
0: we go. Well,
1: you two can talk off the air. I've got you in touch with each other, so hopefully we'll get. Uh, I know you're going to be able to help each other, and this is great. But I, I love this this idea, you know, especially because you guys love it, of a vaccine recovery um, seminar session for the legislature themselves. That alone is going to generate news just holding that they
5: they are so busy oh my god getting them to sit down you know and saying okay you're going to sit here for four hours and listen to this that's going to be no even if you just
4: i'll tell you this this is a a a pro tip from from the 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 wilderness and that is the earlier in the legislative session you can hold any event uh the better Because okay. the the further you get down in the session, the the busier they are. Like we are in the seven week final stretch here in Texas. The last thing uh-huh. we would be doing is doing any event for you know that would we would be invited elected to. We hold a rally every session, and we uh-huh. had it in January this year. And okay. we had uh, over a I think we had about a dozen legislators show up to speak at our rally. And oh, you know we have in other in other sessions past we've had it later in the session, either in March or April, and we've been lucky to have three be able to show up. And it's not that they don't want to show up; it's they're in here committees or on the House floor or wherever. It's so busy, so we bumped it to January, and the fruit definitely uh, we we bore bared the fruit because we were able to get tons more there. And so that is one pro tip that we have learned is bump it in in earlier because before, you know, for instance, in Texas, it took well over a month for our Speaker of the House to even assign committees. And until those committee assignments have been uh, released, there's no hearings, no bills aren't moving. And so that's a right. discussion for another day about um, how frustrating it was that it took, you know, nearly two months to get anything to actually start happening in our state bill uh, state to capital. But we were able to use that kind of lull to our advantage with the rally. That's awesome.
5: Thank you. And I will talk to you guys later, but I got to run. Okay.
1: That's good. All right. Let me get to announce her book again, too. Thank you, Deborah. That's Dr. Deborah Leone, who is the co-author with Sally Saxon, who's an attorney of COVID-19, Vaccines and Beyond, What the Medical Industrial Complex is Not Telling Us. And I just had an idea, mm. uh, Rebecca, for you, that because, you know, uh, Deborah, like she says, she's kind of like new to the legislative stuff. Uh, and this is something you guys can talk about off the air, too. Would you be interested, uh, because she knows all the doctors, Dr. Artis, Dr. Thorpe, uh, Dr. Marble, Dr. Corey, you know, all these folks. You know all, 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 all the good mm-hmm. people, um, but they may not be as legislatively in tune. Even though they've been to, to hearings with Senator Johnson, Um, would you be interested in holding a workshop after this session um for the doctors? Just hold like a doctor's workshop, tell them everything you know about dealing with the Texas legislature, and then they can you know they can apply that to Congress as well. It'd be an interesting idea.
4: I here is what Texans. Our position here at Texans for Vaccine Choice is we stand ready to help any state duplicate. You know, whatever we can do to help, because this mm-hmm. is um, a, a nationwide issue. I'm thankful, you know, yes, we've had gross overreach from the Biden administration on these mandates, but historically, this is ha- Still is and has been a states' rights issue, and in states like Florida and Texas that are geographically huge, it mm-hmm. is difficult. But better that we're fighting this at the state level than you know the federal level. I mean, yes, there's definitely things that we can be doing federally, but you know the nuts and bolts of it, it do happen at the, at the state level.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm going to have one of my articles coming out on Substack is going to be freedom was always the cure for COVID. Uh, Freedom of information, Mm -hmm. freedom of choice, freedom of everything. The biggest problem we have with COVID, uh, it's not COVID itself, it's the government. It's the mandates, Mm -hmm. it's the policies, it's the fact that they don't have freedom. (laughs) Um, But if you're interested, I'll talk to Deborah about that too, because I think it would be a great... Uh, thing to, if you can, you know, if you're, if you're interested, in both everybody of having the doctors, the, the world's greatest doctors, you know, we ran an 18 week panel with Dr. Mike, Kavitz, Dr. Deb, Vail, and all these folks, uh, which I can send you all the things up. If you're curious, um, this is a lot of, it's 18 shows, three hours. I don't know how many, but 30 some odd. Forty somewhat hours of of, uh, of all these folks on there, but uh, the doctors need to learn to be advocates, and the advocates need to learn to be doctors. I mean, I think that that might, you know, I, I think that might hit us on, upon something there. Anyway, the rest of the hours yours. Well,
4: I don't necessarily so, yeah. need to be a doctor, but becoming savvy in uh, reading reading the science is definitely something I never thought I would would be doing uh, here, here in, my, uh, in my adult life. But, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, Surprise. old dog, new tricks. <laughs> yeah,
1: better, better informed is, is better, uh, you know, advocates are better informed. And, well, a, a wise old corporate lobbyist. I was in Washington. I talked to everybody I was a kid. I was like 20 years old. And I'm in D.C. It's 1980. And, and this corporate lobbyist, they, they wrote something down. And I, said, I don't know if I met this person or not. But anyway, they said the secret of lobbying, don't beg, don't threaten, and don't assume you're right 100% of the time. And that always stuck with mm-hmm. me. And so, if you know, you don't want to beg, you don't want to look desperate. You certainly don't want to threaten. You know, if you don't vote for this, we're never going to elect you to office again, scum. That's mm-hmm. not going to work. And don't assume you're right because you know, no matter. And I, this is one thing I learned in my own, you know, legislative advocacy work in Washington, you know, when I was 20 years old, is that somebody always has something to teach you. And so, you, the, one of the biggest parts of lobbying is listening, and find out what their concerns are. And this is why I was thinking maybe a, a vaccine workshop. Or a recovery workshop with these doctors, you know, or even if you put it out on Zoom, or even you know, however it might happen. But uh, let's let's assume that these are a big problem, Uh, which I mean they are, and and just and look at it from the point of view of you need to recover from the vaccine. Just putting that in people's head changes the perspective on everything. Anyway, let's get back to you Mm -hmm. and whatever bills you want to talk about, and anything any any topics that you have that we should uh, know about, feel free. And then I'll let my brain go wild, (laughs) give you more ideas than you probably need, (laughs) which is what I do here. But yeah. yeah.
4: Well, just, you know, I, I know you have a worldwide audience, so I won't bore them with all the, you know, nitty gritty of the Texas legislature. But I will just say it has been a truly historic session so far in that mm-hmm. we have a record number of good bills filed. We have had um, nearly, I think, I, I think it's, 13, well, actually, this morning is hearing number 14 um, mm-hmm. for good bills being heard in committee. Again, what from context example? or perspective. give
1: yeah, I mean you okay, can get, so, you can. I mean, so this, I do local stuff here that goes worldwide. I don't care because everybody's local okay. somewhere, <laughs> so don't worry about it. Well, for what, instance, so, what, the bill that's yeah. being
4: heard today in our uh-huh. Texas House is, uh, and it's in the Defense and Veterans Affairs Committee. Is oh. a bill by Representative Cole Hefner who he has a terrific bill that says if a, a, you know, a Texas military individual was discharged for anything less than honorably, anything less than honorably for declining the COVID jabs, then for the purposes of, of benefits, for, you know, veterans' benefits, they are made whole. And so they that is a terrific bill that we are supporting. It's being heard, I think, I'm not, I don't know if the hearing started at 8 Central or if it's Starting at ten thirty, but it is being heard this morning in our Texas house. And is it covered uh, on, on the this... internet?
1: Can people watch it, or, or is this? Yes, yeah, it, it, uh... it can.
4: Yeah. Okay. That's, How do people see it? They all all public meetings in Texas are our, you know, open meetings and we have a terrific live stream from, from the Capitol. So I'll be chiming in here if it, if we don't miss it on the inter while I'm on this interview. So uh, what's
1: the website? Do you happen to know the website?
4: Yep. It's, it's, um, it's actually kind of hard to get to, but I can, I can text Uh you the link if you're truly interested. (laughs) um, It's kind of a, and interesting so you have well, my to go Texas to listeners um, are,
1: are interested I, I tell the uh, you know one friend particular
4: Texas okay
0: so that's, that's where easy. you that's go not first hard.
4: is capital Texas gov and then you have to click these video broadcasts um, over on the on that right hand side okay. and then from there you have to pick which committee you want to watch and then you you click mm-hmm. it from there and it does look like they are not Convening that committee is not convening until 10:30 Central, so we've got a couple of hours here before yeah, yeah, yeah. they get James going. Jim would be but
1: interested in that. My legislative. Uh, uh, I was yeah. going to say Matt Gates would be interested in that at the federal level because he represents all the veterans here. We have the largest veteran active military duty uh, congressional district in the country. You know, Florida's first congressional Terrific.
4: district. Well, the, the hope is that the um, that this bill you know, mm-hmm. our obviously we our hope is that it will, you know, pass easily um through the, the entire legislative session. This hearing is the is the first step, if you will, the first gate right. that the bill has to get through and it mm-hmm. it is barely being heard within the window of it having a chance to get through the, the process. So this is one yeah. that we're gonna have to you know, fan. You know, really, really apply some leverage for it to get through. But we're hopeful. It's it's still within the reasonable window of getting through. But okay. our hope is that this bill could then be provide a model for other states and ripple across the nation, so that um, other states can say, okay, fine, you're going to do this. Well, at, we can at least do this piece for for our military that have yep. been so horribly treated during this mess. Does
1: it count, Texas National Guard?
4: Is that included? My um, my understanding is that it does. It's, it's okay, any good. any Texas military, yes, whether it was federal or or state level.
1: Okay, because that be that would help with modeling for other states. You know, Arizona might pick it up, Florida might pick it up. You know, any of the big states that have uh, large military folks. You know, particularly the South and, and Southwest. Yeah, We don't you know what happened in New England. <laughs> They, they, I guess they fought the, the war for independence, and after that, they gave up and became socialists, but that's another story. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, I, I live there. I, listen, I grew up, I went to high school in Lexington, Massachusetts. You know, I rang the belfry, the old uh, belfry, you know, for the reenactments of the, of the, the anniversary, mm-hmm. which is coming up April 19th. Okay. For all you folks that, uh, April 19th is a key day in our history. A lot of things happened. Waco, um, and the president went there, and they say, well, it wasn't about Waco. Yeah, it was. <laughs> You know, uh, the, the Warsaw Ghetto in in, um, in Poland happened April nineteenth. The Boston Marathon explosion, the Murray Building. I mean, April nineteenth is is a key day. It's amazing what goes on there. Um, do you have anything on this new scare that that has me really bothered of the messenger RNA vaccine stuff in our food supply, or is that too yeah. new? So this, no, it, well,
4: yes and no. It's new okay. in that um, n- there are no bills that are filed to address it and unfortunately Mm -hmm. there's not even a really good bill that could that's filed that could even be potentially amended so uh, we have been uh, communicating quite extensively with our agriculture commissioner uh, Sid Miller he is
0: Mm -hmm.
4: on it yeah uh, I saw his picture on this issue on your
0: Facebook
1: page Mm -hmm. yeah big guy yeah okay yes
4: yes so he's he's a patriot and has Good. really one of the only statewide electeds that during the very beginning of all of our texas lockdowns and closures and mandates and everything he was really the only statewide elected speaking out against um how horribly these uh were unconstitutional so mm-hmm. uh well like i said Sid miller is a patriot and he um, uh, was not able. He regretfully could not attend our rally in January, but he uh, submitted a statement for us to read at the rally. And the word he used for these uh, for these vaccines was sinister. Um, the idea that this is pr- unproven and dangerous technology um, entering into our food supply is he calls it sinister. And he says that this is an actual personal. issue for him and he will be doing everything he can. Unfortunately at this point, you know, we don't have a good bill that can be a potential amendment vehicle for this, but, um, but, and, and he also does not have rulemaking authority, but he, uh, we do have another commission that we are going to be working with to see if we can't um, get this more attention and more action. Um, it'll probably have to happen after sessions, but we are pursuing this in every possible avenue that we can here in Texas. The, the yeah, issue honey, though is then going go to be, how do you prevent it from, you know, our worldwide food supply? I mean, we still import mm-hmm. tons of our food. So it's kind of like a, a game of whack-a-mole and, um, you know, in, insisting on labeling is great, but what what do we do when we have countries that hate us that are shipping our shipping us food? You know, I I don't know. It just
0: well, I just go back is, to what Sid says. Sinister. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah his, oh
4: yeah, it, no, it's I, Part I, of it, but we just need to dis, we need to disallow it.
1: Yeah. I'm just I'm gonna pull up something here. I was looking my Facebook real quick because um, Tom Rand says something like this. I think Missouri has a list. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, Tom has
4: been he, been relentless on this and his, the bill in Missouri. And I, I hope it can uh, get momentum and get passed. And like, you know, our veterans bill in Texas, I'm, you know, that could be a, an example and model for the nation that could then have ripple effects um, across other state legislatures. It's like we have to have one state that's brave enough to do it, and then the other states can, can follow suit.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was looking for it. I don't see it right away, but uh, um, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up on that. Well, here's how I would do it. Um, the simplest way is to is to expand the definition of organic to include uh, or, or to exclude anything with messenger RNA technology infused in it. You know, we already have the, the growth hormone. You look at any dairy product, uh, especially milk, mm-hmm. cream, things, half and half, things that they all say, uh, they say two things. One. You know, our farmers have pledged that there's no, you know, growth hormone in our milk. And two, they had this FDA nonsense that says, well, the FDA says that uh, growth hormone does not affect, Uh uh, you know, the quality. Yeah, it's Uh it's BS, right? We we all know it's BS. But why can't you do that for for messenger RNA technology, for vaccine technology? Or uh, we need a better name. Vaccine sounds good. We don't want it to sound good. We want it to be what it is. Uh, Gene altering. You know, so say our farmers have pledged not to include messenger RNA gene altering technology into our food supply or something simple like that. Why can't we just just include this or exclude this uh, from the organic definition? So if you're buying organic, not only are you getting no growth hormone and no chemical fertilizers, all the other stuff in there, but you're also getting no, you know, messenger RNA gene technology in your food either. That, and then that you could probably amend that. There might be a, a bill of, of organic food labeling right now. They just add a couple of words. MRNA technology,
0: you know, and so that, that would, would be, be quite, to...
4: that is a, 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 uh, an, a easy and simple solution to, to this problem for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then people can decide and say, but we're if not we telling people that that, they
4: can't have, that would require, yeah. go ahead, go ahead.
1: Okay, well, I, was, I, was I was just going to say that a, would
4: require a, something at the federal level to get that. We are just on top of each other, so just talking on top of each other. This morning. All the words we got a lot. <laughs> That's because we're both today, excited.
1: It's, it's, you get a couple I mean, of nerds oh, like us we together.
4: Love what we do. We do. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, I, but see, I don't yeah, see why you can't that.
1: do it at the state level. Aren't there state organic stuff, or why does it have to be federal? I don't trust the feds.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. Well, let me, yeah, we're, we're looking into, we are digging through any bill that could be Mm -hmm. a, even a potential amendment vehicle. And, you know, it's, it doesn't seem helpful this session, but, but we're, we're working on it because it is a uh... a, a scary, scary concept. It's (laughs) we're going to have to go back to know your local farmer and, Mm -hmm. you know, these little underground food (laughs) co-ops apparently.
1: Yeah. But if they're already stating that there's no growth hormone, why can't they just state as just as easily that there's no mRNA uh, in dairy products either? See, so so I always look for the easiest solution that doesn't cost anything. Doesn't require a bunch of new regulation, a bunch of new law, doesn't require a study, doesn't require a new department, doesn't require millions of dollars, all the things that Congress wants to do. No, I, want to, I, I like to write very simple bills, very straightforward, that do exactly what you want done and no more and do it in the least possible wording in and the, and the, and the easiest possible way and the shortest bill and the simplest, you know, non-cost of, you know, the most cost-effective way, which would be just change the labeling. I mean, this is how we defeat this and let people make a choice. As
0: yeah. long as
1: they're honest about their labeling, um, just like the growth hormone, I said exactly the same thing, and people are going to reject it, and that's how we're going to get out of the food supply. National foods,
0: there you go. They, have
1: to be lab- they have to be labeled too. Or what you do, I mean, how many dairy products do you buy from out of the country? How many meat products do you buy? You know, if meat's foreign, well, that's, and here's the problem. I know in, in some grocery stores, they don't label the meat from Mexico uh, as opposed to the meat from the United States. I can tell because I know the different packages, but I asked them about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, but that should be declared, too. Is this U.S.-only meat or is it uh, Mexican, Brazilian, English? We know what happened with English and the mad cow disease. So this is critical, but it's the same kind of thing. We've already dealt with this. We just need to apply exactly what we did before with growth hormones and, and uh and chemicals and fertilizers and all the different stuff they put in the in the in the cattle feed and just add to the list messenger RNA material. That I think's the easiest way to do it.
4: That is a very easy way to do it.
1: Just ask. That's my job. This is what I do. It's <laughs> action radio. You know yeah. want a solution? Hey. <laughs> Hey, you want a solution? You come back later. What do you want? You want me to talk about the messenger? Yeah, I could do that. Okay, what do you, want? You, want, you want something else? We'll do that. Too. Hey, you want to negotiate? You want to haggle? What do you want? Come on. Bring it on. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I transitioned very quickly here to different accents. All right. We've got about 10 minutes. Um, feel free. Okay. <laughs> what haven't we covered?
4: Well, I don't know. What have we not covered? I, I am just saying I am thrilled with what uh, Texans for Vaccine Choice has been able to accomplish so far this session. Uh-huh. We are, you know, in those last seven weeks of, of session where, I mean, it is game time. And so, uh, you know, any Texas listeners, I would just encourage you to sign up at texansforvaccinechoice.com. I know it's going to be a shock to your listeners to learn that we are horribly censored on uh, social media. So we really do rely on our email. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It it was a joke. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, we really do rely on our, our emails. You know, we, we, Make a joke that we try to only send out our weekly. We call our weekly newsletter the TFEC Tuesday, and uh, but during session, all bets are off. We do not send out one week, one email a week because we have action alerts all the time, and you know it's uh, it's it's fun to see. You know we had this horrible uh, HPV bill heard the other day in um, in a a committee. HPV, human papilloma virus. So it -hmm. was a the the bill was very cleverly written by uh, Representative Donna Howard to just say we need to create a plan to um, reduce HPV rates among higher uh, the the higher education population. And so we had originally put this bill on our watch list, like because Mm -hmm. it didn't flat out say, you know, what her the plan was going to include. Uh, but we were there at the hearing ready to testify saying we have submitted uh, language change to, uh, to replace any time the word prevention appears in this bill to change it to detection because the hmm. science and the literature is very clear that detection is the best method of uh, of preventing cervical cancer. And uh, and all of that fell on death, uh, deaf ears. But when uh, we, but we put out an action alert, and during that morning and during the hearing, <laughs> a couple oh. of the state reps on the, on the panel started saying, you know, Representative, we've gotten a lot of phone calls about this bill today. You know, are you sure you don't want to change this language and to make it more in line? I mean, it was really... Uh, one of those moments where you're like, yes, you have received a lot of calls about this, and uh, I am proudly behind them. <laughs> so See, that's the secret. Yeah,
1: eating. I mean, uh, congratulations yep. to you. People don't realize how few phone calls it takes to change an issue. You know, this is the thing I face mm-hmm. all the time with Action Radio. You know, and I tell people, if you just simply copy the link to the bill, send it to your representative, you know, I'm going to be speaking at the, the thing Friday night. I'm going to ask people to, add, to send our vaccine product liability bill to Matt Gates, who's one of the good guys. You know, every week until he until he puts that bill into Congress. You know, don't threaten. Don't be nasty. Just say, look, we need vaccine product viability. See, that's to me, that's the key to the whole thing. So a couple of things I've learned of late. Correct. Um, Dr, Dr. G, yeah, I want to talk about that with you in a second. But Judy, Dr. Eugene Mikevitz, who's a regular on the show, so one of our best friends here at Action Radio, uh, says, I asked her a question. Uh, any of these diseases that uh, we're getting, you know, quote, vaccines for, diphtheria, tetanus, all that other kind of stuff, is there any one of them that cannot be treated today? She says, of course, they can all be treated. And she says, not only that, they're rare. I guess I think the last case of diphtheria was 1930, <laughs> yet we're still shooting mm-hmm. up every kid for it. Why it, 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 yeah, it, it I mean, doesn't exist. Go ahead.
4: I have long contended that the, um, that the success of any vaccine should be our ability to stop using it, you know, and to Julie's yeah. point, I mean, we do, we just simply do not see these diseases anymore. So why are we still not just vaccinating, but adding more and more and more boosters to the childhood mm-hmm. schedule? It makes, Literally no scientific sense, uh, but it makes a whole lot of marketing sense to the pharmaceutical companies that create them because they have, their, they have, what a beautiful marketing model for them. No liability, a captured FDA that just keeps on, you know, approving all of these with shoddy science. And then they, as soon as it's put on the childhood schedule, you know, they, they have a captive market with no liability and no incentive to actually make a safe and effective product, it's it's mm-hmm. a interesting model for everyone. No, for it, the it, consumer. It,
1: it's a disgusting model. It's it, you know, um, of course, we all know. Yeah, I know what you mean by interesting, but uh, that was fascinating what what Judy was saying. So what it really means is there's no reason for any vaccine, because even if a child gets one of these diseases, which is incredibly rare, uh, it's treatable. And that's what I, that was my whole basis for mm-hmm. COVID. I said, there is no pandemic of COVID. I said, this virus is completely treatable. We've got ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, and azithromycin. What's the problem? You know, I had Dr. Slanko on mm-hmm. the show. We knew, we knew back in March. I had this on March 2nd. I said, there was no pandemic of 2020. Well, we beat... You know, the 15 days to slow the spread by a couple of weeks. Um, I got CJ, the next person on the line listening. So I want to let her listen and see if she has a question for you just a little bit. But the key to this, there's two things that I learned. One from Dr. Judy, that all these diseases are treatable. The second thing I learned was from Ed Dowd. You know, the Wall Street guy who's been uh, on all the big shows lately? He was on with us. Uh, a week ago, Thursday, and what he said that was a revelation for me, he's, I asked him about vaccine product liability. I said, to me, this is the key. Uh, I said, I believe, and I don't know. This is why I asked him. I said that once vaccine product liability comes into play, these vaccines, the non-vaccines really, will be off the shelf within like five minutes. He says, absolutely. And then he goes on to say, mm-hmm. he says, they cannot survive in a free market. This without with With product liability and an open market, I said there will not be vaccines on the shelf. They will not even be marketed because they financially they can't take the liability from the, from the danger that they're producing, the deaths and the injuries. I found that fascinating.
4: Right. It is fascinating. And that is really was what was behind that 1986 law that was passed that removed liability for these vaccine mm-hmm. makers was they were losing money hand <laughs> over fist because they were being sued by all these families for their, for vaccine injuries. And so mm-hmm. they petitioned Congress and said, you get, we're going to have to stop making vaccines because they were actually losing money on them. And mm-hmm. I still, I mean, I just am, it's disgusting to think that Congress's solution to this was not, Hey, big pharma fix, fix your product. So they're not hurting and killing kids to mm-hmm. we'll just wave our magic wand and do away with all liability. I mean, it's, mind-blowing that that was their solution and you know it's and it we have, are still experiencing the horrendous ripple effects of that law and i i agree the the overturning of that 1986 law is far past due in a in a world where we are a nation where we're rather obsessed with the consumer protections the fact that we are you know, our most precious resources, our children are essentially mandated to get these products that mm-hmm. have no liability. I mean, it's just mind blowing that this is somehow What's determined as as the the uh the best path forward for our children. I mean we have yeah. the sickest children in the world and, and we are, you know, all the science, not all, we have some brave scientists, uh, you know, speaking out, but, you know, we've got all these doctors that are, you know, just scratching their heads on not knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we have the, you know, the, the epidemic numbers of chronic illnesses in our children. I mean, this is the sickest generation we've ever had. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just, like, it's the elephant in the room. Like, pick me. I know what's going on.
1: Yeah, you know, and I've had this bill for two years. You know, I'm going to speak on this uh, uh, tomorrow night. You know, two years ago, there were no mandates. Two years ago, nobody had been kicked out of the military or the government
0: mm-hmm. or
1: private industry. Nobody, you know, when we wrote this bill, actually I wrote it, uh, on vaccine product liability, restoration, None of the bad effects had happened yet. And yet two years later, it still hasn't become national news. It still hasn't gone viral. You know, I don't know if you introduced one in the Texas legislature, but I do not understand this, that we all know what the cure is. And people, and this is my fascination. I'm going to make CJ's line live now too, so she can uh, join us for a bit. I don't know if you have a couple of minutes extra. You can stick around. But uh, I, I do not. Un- yes. Okay, good. All right. Because I like crossovers. It really gets interesting. I do not understand why when we know the solution, when it's as simple as it going viral and the news reporting it and the pollsters polling on it and people say, just copying the link, putting in an email saying, please pass vaccine product liability restoration. It's that simple. And yet it doesn't happen. And, and people are still they're, they're focusing on the, on the information. We know the information. We know that people are dying. We know that that people are being crippled. We know all this stuff. You, you, it's like people are more fascinated with hear, with hearing information they already know than they are with fixing the problem. And I don't understand that. There's a disconnect
4: going on, Rebecca. Yes. So, so yes. So our uh, what we have in the Texas Legislature for this is we do have a uh, a resolution, a, a a joint resolution that is. Uh, our, you know, again, you know, resolutions do not have the weight of law, but what we have been working with other organizations across the nation to get a resolution passed in state legislatures across the nation that that says, Congress, we demand that you overturn this rule. And so the idea is that there would be momentum behind a multi-state effort with these uh, these state legislature resolutions. To mm-hmm. put liability back on on uh, the pharmaceutical companies when it comes to vaccines, uh, our resolution has not gotten a hearing or made its way through um, the process yet, um, which is incredibly frustrating. But um, you know, we're—I always say, you know, big pharma has their long game to get needle all the needles and all the arms for all their products. Well, we have our long game too, and that's to. You know, essentially make vaccines irrelevant to your daily life. Why we are still having to get exemptions and opt out of optional medical procedures is internally frustrating. And so the entire system needs to be opt in as opposed to opt out because that's like every other medical procedure, you know, in the world is opt in, but yet there's this, you know, the sacred cow carve out for vaccines where you have to jump through all these hoops to say, no, I don't want it. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous, and it's, it's and, and it's frankly exhausting having mm-hmm. to, you know, fight tirelessly at the state capitol to say, you know what, maybe our state legislature needs to not be expending state resources or energy on promoting private company liability-free products. I mean, that's essentially what it was. I mean, what a beautiful marketing model. Create a product. That state legislatures across the nation will mandate for their citizens. I mean, what 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 a what a model there, you know? Um, because it that is what is happening is that we have state legislatures that are in bed with private companies, which is what big pharma is. This idea that they have are in it for you know healing and curing patients is absurd. You know, they only care about one thing, and it's profits, not patients or you know improving. Um, livelihoods and so why our state legislatures are captive to this and promoting these products I mean it's it's disgusting and it's exhausting but you know it's where we are and uh, you know we do have some glimmers of hope in our state legislature and, and I'm hopeful we'll, we'll get some good bills over the finish line.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, Texas passes vaccine product liability. So just sue, you know, in Texas. Uh, and that state resolution is a good idea, but I would put teeth in it. I would say, yes, we want demand that Congress pass this bill. <clears throat> and by the way, we're withholding, you know, X amount of dollars from you or we're, we're closing down the following federal offices. I mean, this is or we're taking back our land. <laughs> you know, I mean, I would I would I would put <laughs> some teeth in it. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later because I, you know, me, I always have uh, I have these all kinds of strategies in my brain. Um, I want to introduce CJs. CJ is our, our wellness person. She's uh, she knows nutrition. She helps folks out, so she's dealing with all this kind of stuff on an individual level. CJ, welcome to the program. And uh, do you have any questions, for Hi. Rebecca, or comments, or uh, anything like
3: that? Good morning. Um, not really. I just sat on like a phone uh-huh. listening because I was actually helping out one of my clients early this morning. I never know what my morning's gonna gonna hold. So yeah, neither um, do I. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm <on the> radio. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. So, so no, I don't. But you know, I do find the whole debacle, you know, it, it's just, it's so, it's, it's so much. And I think, like I said, with a lot of people that I personally, on a daily basis, deal with right now. Again, my forte is not all of this. It, it, it is definitely, you know, nu- nutritional based, you know. And I've learned a lot, and I love um, listening to. Other people who bring different knowledge to the table in in this arena because obviously I just soak it all up, um, but I know a lot of people are in a position right now that what we're in the third year of this three and a half years something like that mm-hmm. right of of this of this new thing right that really wasn't. You know, it wasn't in the light. Like, we were aware of some of the things, but it, all this crap didn't come to light until three and a half years ago, something like that. And the whole vaccine yeah. thing, you know, for me, I'm going to be 54 years old this, this month. And I know, you know, you, didn't, you don't know, but you don't know, right, until it comes to light. So, I know as a little girl, my parents gave me vaccines when I was older and got knowledgeable enough. I stopped certain things even for my children as you and I have discussed, you know, Greg, but I didn't know anything, you know, back when I birthed my children, I had no cook. you know. So I think being related to the situation that we're in today, that we can't change really what's happened over the past three years, right? All we can do is learn from it, take the knowledge, empower other people, right? I think right now, for me, I'm in a mode of empowering other people and having people empower me with different solutions or action steps that we can take or things that we can do because we can't undo some of the things that have already been been done. You know, it's kind of water, water under the bridge, for a lack of a better word. So, you know, getting bills in place, getting some encouragement and the empowerment, you know, moving, moving forward. This is the position that we need that I'm personally, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, I'm personally attempting to take, um, you know, on a daily basis with people that I have conversations with.
0: Okay.
1: Let me ask just one more question for Rebecca because I know she has to go. Rebecca, do you have any questions on the nutritional uh, angle of this on recovery? Uh, And are you including nutrition uh, in bills of of like government programs or or private programs or or recommendations or anything like that uh, as far as nutrition and, and vaccine recovery go?
4: Well, uh, not specifically, no. We okay. are um you know, we, we believe in, in choice and so, you know, you have the right to, to be stupid and if that's eating at McDonalds every day, then, you know, that's that's your choice and that's you know, that's the beauty of liberty. So we're not here to micromanage anybody's life. I do think that we that we do have some good bills that are you know, we call them the right to treat bills that really open up um, doctors to being able to uh, prescribe, you know, certain medications that are long proven uh, FDA approved medications without okay. fear of retribution. And it also addresses the pharmacists. We had a lot of rogue pharmacists in, in Texas deciding to just, you know, decide to not fill certain prescriptions, and so this is a. Let me guess: hydroxychloroquine,
1: ivermectin. Uh-huh. What else weren't they? What else yep. weren't they doing? You can be specific on this show. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yes, I, you know, those, those
4: two drugs. That bill addresses those two drugs specifically, okay. and it's uh, it's a great bill, and it's it's had a hearing, and it's even out of committee and waiting to be voted on in the full Senate, which will send it over to the House to to. Uh, to make its way through the process, I'm hopeful that that bill will get through. Okay. So um, we are uh, we are trying our best to, you know, kind of attack this issue from every angle. And we have a senator, a state senator here, Senator Bob Hall, who has just, I mean, he's filed well over a dozen bills um to uh really tackle any issue that came up during COVID he has a bill for. And um so, so thankful for Senator Hall and his pursuit of truth um during the entire uh to use CJ's word, COVID debacle. So <laughs> Um, I'm
1: happy to have him on the show, actually, uh, and uh, we should talk uh, uh, big tech censorship at some point in the future. I don't want to do that now um, but because uh, I want to uh, uh, get on the CJ stuff. But just just to know that, uh, Rebecca, we do have, you know, all, all kinds of folks here that know all kinds of stuff, okay. <laughs> you know, so we have a great resource yes, yes. Uh, for you if you ever need it. So just let me know, you know. They're here.
4: Super. Well, it was a pleasure okay. as always, Greg. Thanks for having me on.
1: Thank you, too. I and mean, let's get to the website and uh, contact and any other information, and then I'll uh, – Yep. You know, CJ here.
4: Texans for dot com and if you there's a contact us button there too if you have any questions about our work and, and our website really is a treasure trove of resources from you know hospital admission guides to vaccine injury Uh, reporting guide to um, you know the vaccine schedule principles we have and and of course our blog which is a treasure trove of all things texas legislative session right now so go check it out and uh, we'll catch you um on the other side greg
1: sounds good thank you rebecca i always appreciate having you on the show if you ever want to come on just let me know just even if it's five minutes if you have with an announcement all right thank you we'll talk
4: (laughs) terrific okay all
1: right bye now Oh, boy, this is so much fun. (laughs) This has been a great morning. I haven't played anything. I haven't got to any of my uh, my announcements, commercials, anything. We had uh, Michael Volpe in the first hour uh, talking about the whole gender, uh, transgender issue in family court, which is causing huge problems. Uh, We just had Rebecca from uh, uh, Texans for Vaccine Choice, and now it's your turn. So yesterday I had no reporters. I talked for three hours by myself. Today is much easier. (laughs) Today I have three guests uh, so that I can just kind of sit back and listen. So what's been on your mind? What's been happening? What's uh what uh, new information have you discovered of light?
3: Hi. Well Hi. Um, <laughs> finally a beautiful morning here in North Carolina. So Oh that's nice. It was pouring rain here, but because, to me that
1: is a beautiful morning. I love I love rain in the morning. So uh, that's a beautiful morning you. to me. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um we're gonna get rain rain tomorrow. So today's gonna be an outside day. Tomorrow's gonna be an inside day. Um uh-huh. you know, uh for me this has been an interesting week um as i just mentioned with rebecca um, huh. and and <laughs> i'll give you a situation in um that i just encountered yesterday okay and i found it really interesting and and i don't i don't have any um i don't have any for sure like concrete information or proof of anything but i ran into a conversation with somebody and literally, it had me in tears and awake all night long last night. Oh, I'm you know?
0: sorry. And uh, what I'd happened? I've been
3: praying. So, well, a friend of mine, um, their daughter, and I just wanted to slap them, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> their daughter received like one or, oh, well, no, like two of the vaccines. So I wow. don't know if it was, uh, and a young girl. When I talk young, like my, my daughter's fourteen, and obviously we have not done anything but younger mm-hmm. than my daughter. And I know this is just one of many cases, but just because they were a friend of a friend, it just kind of hit me you know and um for some reason she's had um, increased you know o c d issues like major uncontrollably like do where- sometimes it 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 disturbs her daily function and then mm. her cognitive ability i mean shes func- I mean, you know she's functioning, but it's just the so, the excessive over-the-top OCD. And then um, I don't know what led them to do this, but, again, I just found out yesterday that they actually um, took her for an MRI for some reason. I guess her OCD was kind of affecting her schoolwork in the school or whatever that has just been intensified for some reason. And they found, if I'm correct, like a lesion on the back of her spine or on the back of her brain or something or other. I don't believe it's like
0: a lesion or
3: anything like that. But she was born actually with um, I think she was a preemie, but she was born with some some cha- cognitive challenges a little bit, you know. Um, but they said after all the MRI she had done, you know, as a little girl because of her health challenges being a preemie. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I may be just I may be describing it wrong because once once they told me this like I was just ugh. I was so upset. I don't even know if I was paying attention to the fact, to be quite honest with you. But right. um, they said something on the MRI showed up that had never showed up at all in her 12 years of life out of, out of all the tests, you know, that she had. And so they said, oh, that's weird. And I'm thinking, well, could it be? Did you ever possibly think that maybe, you know, and I mean, I'm praying and hopefully whatever it is can be addressed. And I don't want to say sick. But I'm going to say, again, managed, right, mm-hmm. that it can be managed. Um, but just to hear that, you know, again, out of all the things that she has been through, that never showed up before, you know, that was just very disheartening for me. Um, and so that, you know, and, and I'm going to be honest with, with the hand, I mean, I don't expose myself or I'm not around a lot of people that have received it. I mean, like I'm going to a wedding reception uh, tomorrow on Saturday. Right. And I'm going to be around a lot of people. And I'm at this point, I'm really not concerned about it. You know, for me personally. Um, Cause again, we can't stop not living our lives and socializing. I mean, we can, but I choose not to. But my point is, is that mm-hmm. I haven't encountered as of yet. Praise God. People who have made that choice who are having major, major issues. I have, for a few days or like the flu shot I got sick for 24 hours now I'm fine you know so
1: oh what I, COVID you know I don't I had it for two days huh? <laughs> so, uh, as far as COVID goes I remember having it for two days two and uh, you know two days yeah. of rest and I was fine you know and there, that, that was it it was before yeah. we even knew what COVID was yeah. this is back January 2020
3: right. well, my daughter early and January I were sick, you know yeah my daughter yeah. and I got got whatever got whatever it was you know, mm-hmm. now I feel like I have a lot, little bit of a residual from some side effects of having it. That's mm-hmm. what I feel personally, you know, and I'm hoping that that's all, you know, manageable. But I was sick longer than my daughter, but they say kids were more, um, you know, weren't, mm-hmm. weren't a suspect. But that, that goes for everything. Part.
1: But everybody was exposed. That's something I read in in Congress. Uh, There was a briefing back in March of 2020, you know, when all this stuff was coming out. And both the the Democrats and Republicans in separate briefings were informed that everybody was going to get exposed to this. And there was nothing they could do about it. That's the nature of viruses. Everybody gets exposed. So you can lock down, social distance, mask that don't work. You can do all this kind of stuff. And you're not going to change it. Everybody's still going to get exposed. So the question is, now what do you do? Well, the best thing to do is build up natural immunity, get everybody exposed as quickly as possible so that the healthy people will build build up the immunity so that the virus has no place to go. And it was basically done by July. I think think now,
3: too, Mm -hmm. with me, what I'm seeing, too, is um, people who have had the virus or were sick, I think. There are some people that are saying, okay, well, I have this residual. I have this residual of that, right? Because that was a whole part of it as well.
0: The long know? COVID so
3: or something?
1: I, or, or is this from yeah, the vaccine like, or from like, the... Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah, like some people are having extensive, you know, breathing challenges over the past two years where say they were running, you know, four miles before and now they can only ride, you know, run one or they get tired more often or it's affected their their lung capacity long-term, you know, and things okay. like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we know that from speaking to a lot of the other wellness medical professionals, you know, in the Patriot movement who have been doing the digging and the stuff like that. So I guess for me, and again, for some of the long-haul symptoms that, you know, I've had, my goal is now, okay, how do we manage these things? These things are not going to be detrimental, but how do we, how do we manage the these symptoms from just having the, the virus for some people who they mm-hmm. had some lingering effects. Because there's many a people that haven't had any lingering effects, you know, who didn't make, who didn't make that choice. You know, I don't have any lingering are effects. People.
1: Are you talking about the vaccine or are you talking about COVID itself?
3: I'm, I'm, I'm talking about COVID. COVID.
1: Yeah, I, had, know, like COVID. I had it. Uh, it's documented on my shows. I sounded terrible. I had the yes. worst cough in the world for about two weeks. I was trying to get guest hosts because I could barely talk. Uh, I, I had to sleep sitting up for the first time in my life, uh, and then I took two yeah. days off work and rested, and it was gone. A couple of days later, after after that, and it never came back because I had immunity. So by the time we knew right. what it was, it was like COVID. Oh, I think I just had that, <laughs> you know. And I never worried about it because I just yeah. had it, and I know that I know how immunity works. So I think one of the biggest something that really has been talked about. I think a good portion of the country had it. Before we even knew what it was and people are afraid of something mm-hmm. they've already gotten over and already had immunity to. But, of course, you know, Dr. Fascist and the health Nazis would never say that because they wanted they wanted to make their money off the licensing. They want the the, the buy dole act that allows government people to make money off their inventions, even though they, they do it with taxpayer dollars. Uh, they want a big right. to like their money and do all the kickbacks and offer the good jobs to them later. And big tech wanted it because they wanted to, they were invested heavily in big pharma and they wanted to make their, their investment money. And so they suppressed the information too. And so it was this, this, uh, this, this trilateral, you know, fascist cabal of government, big pharma and big tech to bring this about. But I I would really love to see a study of how many people actually had COVID and were immune to it before the vaccines even came out. So there was no need for it. Has that ever been done? Do you know? Has right. anybody looked into that?
0: I don't.
3: Yeah. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. But but I think now like people are really you know wanting holistic solutions and options. I mean, they're mm-hmm. the people that know know. I uh, you know I shouldn't you know people people who don't have any common sense maybe aren't but you know there's a <laughs> lot of people now that if they if they know they know. So there's a lot of people looking for. You know, what can I be doing on a daily basis? You know, even like medicinal mushrooms and what the powers are of mushrooms and turmeric and ginger and like really incorporating all the natural things and knowing what to combine when and what not to and different things. And it's, it, you know, we always say, high, you know, hindsight is, is what it is. It's mm-hmm. sad, but proven true that it's always it just in general in life, if you think about it, typically it takes a situation in life, right, to get people to open up their eyes and or to change their ways or to look at other things, you know. I mean, and that's well, just a fact.
1: Let's talk about that because that's a really important point. How many parents took their kids out of, out of the government schools and either homeschooled or private schooled their kids um, as right. soon as they saw videos of what kids were learning in school during these, uh, these, these uh, Internet sessions? How many people... Okay. Well, now how many people don't go to quote traditional doctors you know who say you have to have a vaccine ivermectin doesn't work and of course they hear yeah well fred had it he got ivermectin he was fine in a day and bob you know went went to the hospital and died on a ventilator you know i mean these are the things people are going wait a minute most people i was talking to rebecca about this most people know somebody uh, who's been personally affected uh, by this or they have been personally affected themselves i've lost two people on the show Dr. Pry, who I think had a vaccine, he was our national security guy. Uh, he had cancer, which he was recovering from just fine. He told me about it. This is off-the-air stuff, you know, but he told me. Uh, and then he said he had to get a jab for travel. Uh, he did. Six months later, he was dead. You know, he was 60. But he had 68. cancer
3: before the jab.
1: Right, but the cancers would kill him. In other words, the the, the, the jab, as, as Judy explains it, Judy Mankiewicz, right. uh, just totally right. put his cancer into overdrive. And I remember I listened to him. I could hear his voice declining on the show. Like, oh my God, we're going to lose him. But
3: think about this. It, you, think know, about this yeah. you bring up a good right. point. It, uh-huh. It's like when, okay, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, because I was told this. You know, I was born. I had an autoimmune challenge again, and I I have no proof if it was from vaccines or not. But for probably. decades, I had. <laughs> I, I'm going to say probably. But yeah. right. right. I would get. I mean, that's my educated guess, but I have no okay. concrete proof. But I had an autoimmune disease, okay? And I'm pretty sure that autoimmune disease, I was able to correct that specific issue on my own. However, just with what you were saying. Some people, pre-existing conditions, and think about our seniors or even young kids, you know, it may even have happened to this young child because she had medical problems. The doctors will tell you, well, you have a pre-existing condition, so you need to get the vaccine because you're more susceptible to blah, 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 blah. So when I, was, when I was a young adult in college and, you know, able to make my own decisions, and even as a young adult, right, um, up until probably, I want to say, at least 10 years ago, maybe, 10, maybe, a you know, around about. You know, again, I was always told, you have an autoimmune, you need to get the flu shot because you're in a high-risk category. You need to do this, you need to do this. I didn't know better. I, I didn't know better until I knew better. Right. Mm -hmm. So once you know better, once you know, then you can start. Once you're educated, then you can start making whatever choice you want. Right. So if you want to make a stupid choice, with the with the knowledge you have, choice. I mean, free free choice. So I didn't know any better. You know, going back to your uh, your friend's situation, I was told I was high risk, and I did it. I got the flu shot. Well, then after I became knowledgeable, I was like, no, this makes no sense because I remember. I think almost every time that I got the flu shot, I got sick for a while.
1: Of course. You know, I mean, it was Because the lucky, flu shot gives you, you know? flu, <laughs> you know. And now that and, now they're and, combining. And, you know, yeah.
3: I, used to give my, I used to give my kids the, the nasal one, like when they were little, uh-huh. you know, the nasal spray because they were too old to do the shot and whatnot. Or they would say she has to do one shot and then another. But, again, I didn't know what I didn't know. So now I go back to this whole thing with, um, you know, your radio show and all the different guests you have on. Knowledge is power. You bring the knowledge, you let people do whatever they want to do with the knowledge. Mm
0: -hmm. And
3: that's why I feel so strongly that it's placed right now that none of us can change what happened three years ago, four years ago. None of us can change all the vaccines that were mandated, you know, as a child when you go to the doctors like 20 years ago, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do find the history of it interesting because if you go back to Um, say your great-great-grandparents, they're probably, I think there were vaccines. I don't know. I don't know how that, I mean, and that's not something I'm going to spend hours researching because we have to deal with what's now, but I don't know how far back actual vaccines go. Um, But that would be an interesting question because obviously it was created and developed as time went on. So... I think the place that everyone is at right now, there's a lot of emotional trauma too. I mean, people need mental health help just as much as anything else. Because right now, our mental state needs to be in a good place, and people are at a point where their emotional roller coasters all over the place, more so than four or five years ago. So I, I think there's there's such a need to empower people with Okay, what did we learn from that? What's the knowledge that we have now? Can we mm-hmm. do to move forward? You know, what you can't undo what's been done. So you have the facts. So now, what do we do? You know, how do how do we help people, both physically, mentally, and and emotionally? And I think that's a lot. There's a lot of work to be done in all the areas. Hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, and, and that's why I think it's ahead. great. Yeah.
3: I, that's why I think it's great with you know the guests that you have on your radio show and all the podcasters and stuff that are out there. Everybody brings their own niche, right? It takes a village. Um, you know, we each have our own area of knowledge, expertise, wisdom, um, and and it's not all. I want to use my words correctly because not a golden rule like what i say isn't always 200 on target what another person you bring on isn't always 200 on target everybody sometimes people have a difference of opinion or a difference of facts or this works that works no you should be doing this or that so you have to just listen have ears to hear, absorb it all and make your own decisions you know so that kind of goes along with everything else. If you research something, if you research, right, if you research mushrooms, medicinal. Some people love medicinal mushrooms to use. Some people say don't use them. So I feel like depending on who you go to for what, you may get two different answers.
1: We, so, need, we need to do a mushroom show. Uh, uh, do you do you cook them differently? Do you uh, prepare them differently? Are these just mushrooms you know that you can buy in a store? Are these mushrooms that are specially grown, organic farms? What kind of mushrooms are we talking about here? You got me curious.
3: Well, curious. there's sylilogy there's mushrooms. In fact, I was just looking something up earlier to, to get something for myself. Um, you know, there's cordyceps mushrooms. There's all kinds of medicinal mushrooms. Um, some of the mushrooms that you can buy, you know, in the store, there's all different kinds of ones to cook, to use for medicine properties and all that. The mushrooms are a very interesting um, topic and old remedy depending on which ones you use, how they're used and things of that nature. Um, so that would be eventually, you know, a good topic that I can plan ahead for to to talk about because they have so many healing properties. But, mm. you know, we are in a place of I, I like the word that Rebecca used that, that I said. I think there's two words that go into hand for such a time as this as debacle and empowerment, because that's where we, in my opinion, that's where we are right now. We've had this whole debacle and we're still in it. But the crux of the meat and potatoes of the debacle has already been done, right? The precedent has been set the past three and a half years. So now we have to empower ourselves and others with knowledge and solutions to move, to move forward. Number one, to, to potentially fix and correct some things and mm-hmm. help people move forward, to regain people who are not well, to regain health or at least a decent quality of life. And also, to empower people to make wiser choices moving forward, you know, so I think that there's a there's a twofold here with empowerment and knowledge going on right now is to help people fix potentially some of the things that I hold all this debacle or or, or again at least get um a better quality of life moving forward and mm-hmm. to empower people to make better decisions moving forward.
1: Well, there's, there's two things going on. There's people making individual choices, and there's the collective effect of everybody making individual choices. So people making individual choices could be uh, taking the kid uh, out of uh, government school or go to homeschool, uh, you know, just going to a place where you, where you don't have to have all these shots. And you know, school should not be requiring shots. Absolutely. You know, they're not doctors. They're not, you know, and as Judy Mikovic said, that uh the diseases are so rare that uh, and even if you do get one you know we can treat it so why would parents you know shoot up their kids with all these different chemicals for all these different diseases you know when they're all treatable that doesn't make any sense to me you know so especially when we have the natural news. but you know but it's It's fear it's marketing but people are changing so so,
0: Yeah,
1: yeah but my question is because of what happened to COVID. It's not just education. It's the whole medical profession. Who, who thinks it's a great idea to go to the hospital not knowing what's wrong with you? Who thinks it's a great idea right. to just do whatever the doctors say? Nobody anymore. You know, if, if, uh, if people were presented, but, but just imagine yeah. if people were presented. Here, here's a scenario for you. What, what if people were presented, you know, when they go to the hospital, they're having breathing problems. Okay, I'll tell you what. Well, we know ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine work. Uh, early treatments work, but we can't give them to you because the government uh, wants you on this stuff called remdesivir, which causes heart failure, which is going to co- cause, I mean, kidney failure, which is going to cause your chest to fill with fluid. Then we're going to give you a ventilator, try and blow it back up the other way. Uh, chances are you're going to die. Um, you know, but if people, if the doctors actually said that, right, which is the truth, you know, early treatments of, of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine will, you know, in almost every case, unless there's other problems, stop COVID you know, and remdesivir does cause kidney failure and ventilators trying to blast the fluid out the other way usually end up killing people. So, but if, if people were actually told that, how many people do you think would go to the hospital? None.
3: Right. Well, that's, but, but to your point, no, you're right. And to your point, that's what you call empowering people with knowledge because yeah. we have to take some of our health into our whole hands. And, you know, like I said, I don't know near as much as some of the other people do on your show. I have my little area of expertise and but mm-hmm. the everyday person who is a plumber or whatever, they may, I mean, I shouldn't even say it. Any other profession outside of the wellness industry, they may not have the knowledge mm-hmm. of all those things or the gumption to stand up. Say, hey, I know this can happen or have the resources. So, you know, like for me, having the resources of where people can get ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, all the things, the people that mm-hmm. connect the people to having them make HCQ at home. It's funny you said that because I have to take mine. I take mine every morning. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I want to know how to and make it at home. And- huh? You have to tell us how to make it at home at some point. We should do that next week. Make oh, a note. Yeah, I
0: can't do that. <laughs> you know. That.
1: You know, it would be a great show, what we'll call, you know, you know, CJ's Home Hydroxychloroquine Recipe or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yes, I, I can yeah. make a
1: commercial yeah. about it. It'd be great. Yes, you too. can oh, make hydroxychloroquine yeah. at home. All you need is the following things. You need two bands. You need this. You need some right. uh, hydrogen, some right. chloride, and some other things like that. Mix them together. they the appropriate. We'll do like a cooking show. <laughs> you know, I'll make it a promo. Yeah. So I, actually, yeah. I was playing all my oh, promos yesterday. That. Oh, I was playing on my promos yesterday. It was hysterical. I don't know if you heard, like, the, the new normal church and grocery store and some of the other things that I, uh, I made during COVID. It was pretty bad. You know, the, but, Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream, the first black shaving cream. I mean, that was one of my commercials. Oh, my so god, I, we, That's funny. Oh, yeah. It, it's bad. It's really bad. Well, because Pianchi's black. He, he came on the show one day. He says, you know what? i got to go on this white face every morning with this white shaving cream. So I'm dying laughing, right? So, but these are the kind of things. So, but, yeah, we can do it. Well, I, I can put music in the background. You know, and uh, maybe I'll I – mean, I don't know if you have, like, access to an MP3 recorder. You can make it. And now – because you've got this great voice. I love your voice. You know, it's very distinct, very, very, yeah. very wonderful. But it would be fun just to have – and now CJ's hydroxychloroquine recipe brought to you on Action Radio.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> you.
1: know, but that would that be fun. That would funny. be awesome. That would – yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah. maybe I'll get you to uh to scenario something, or if you can record something and send it MP3, I can edit. I can produce it and actually put background music in the whole bit. Well, let me play you something here. I'll oh, give you be fun. Really. Let me give you a dark one. Let me give you Biden's dark winter. So this is this is my production stuff. Oh, this is something. Now this is something because we're we're having fun now, right? But this is something I made right before the 2020 election. Thinking there's no way Biden can win. He's he's a fraud. He's a total joke. He doesn't campaign. He's sitting in his basement. He's an old man. You know, even in his best days, he never garnered anything nationally. I said there's no way. And then of course they steal the election. But here's what I made. This is my prediction before the 2020 election. This is dark. Joe Biden's dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country.
3: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is freaking awesome.
1: <laughs> Isn't that great? That I is, just did these little things. I love producing that stuff. Really so if, we can do, if we can do CJ's hydroxychloroquine recipe, you know, and we'll do it in, in in light and fun stuff, and we'll get some nice music behind it. That will be great. So we'll make a production. That'd be fun. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, I get up one, to all kinds of nonsense here. I really do.
0: <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyway. Well, so, you know, but, um, I uh-huh.
3: the mental like you said, pulling kids out of school, and all that. And that's why I'm saying is like right now, there are um, so many people who are in a place where they are having to deal with so much stuff emotionally in the schools, even the parents. And there are kids that have been pulled out. But I also see that parents are letting their kids in there, you know, um, for many different reasons. And I I don't like getting into all that because there's always somebody that comes back and says something, right? It's it's, it's your own choice, however you work out your own family details. Um, Mm -hmm. but, But I see that, you know, it does go into empowering people at school, all this transgender stuff and all this stuff that is just spiraling. You know, you start with one thing and it just keeps spiraling and building like a ball, you know? And so...
1: Yeah, this... This might not be your area at all, but uh, I talked with this about, with Michael, uh, Michael Volpe, who's an investigative reporter, does a lot of family law stuff, that there are parents that are being, the the abusive parent, the parent that wants to, quote, transition, in other words, you know, uh, surgically mutilate and chemically destroy their kids in, in an effort to do something that's impossible, which is change their gender, they're being awarded. Uh, full custody in the family courts now, especially in California. Whereas the parent that wants to keep their kid, you know, normal, that says, you know, I, you know, I dress up as, as as the opposite sex, we don't care. But they're not going to get surgery, and they're not going to get chemicals in their brain uh, to destroy them. They're not getting custody. And so my question is, uh, getting back to health, is there something that can be done to either reverse or suppress or somehow recover from the effects of puberty blockers, uh, of these hormone treatments, all these things they're giving, especially prepubescent kids? You know, this should, this should never happen. In a civilized society, this would never happen. But it is happening because we're not a civilized right. society right now. So what can be done? I don't, you may not have thought about this. And this might be a next week topic. But med- but nutritionally or medically, how do we counter these horrible drugs that are being given to kids in an effort to do the impossible, to change their gender? You
3: mean can it rep- be the be- well, if it's done, can it be reversed back? Is that
1: what you're asking? No, I mean, I'm just trying to, because I know a lot, well, you can't, revert, you, you can't sort of reverse surgery, but people yeah, are never you, the same. Yeah. That's not what I'm yeah. talking about. But I'm talking about the chemicals. You know, it's like, is there, is there Ritalin recovery? You know, is there something, can we, is there something of these things destroying the brain or, or, or the hormones or things like that, that we can, through nutrition and other means, you know, get them, you know, back uh, as close to where they used to be as possible? So I don't know if you know about these drugs, what they do exactly in the body, but I know they have homicidal and suicidal tendencies. That's the first thing you want to counteract. Yeah. Same thing with psychotropic drugs, you know, the ones they said, you know, we're, we're guaranteed to remove your anxiety and depression. And, of course, they found out that's not true at all. That the, what is it, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, I love working that into a conversation, uh, they don't work. <laughs> they don't do anything. Um, right. They're just marketing, right. you know, so how do we counter these things, these psychotropics, these, uh, the, the ADHD drugs, the Adderall, the Ritalin, uh, the psychotropic drugs, the, the Lovex, the Prozac, and these, these puberty, you know, blocking hormonal sex drugs. How do you, you know, is there anything, e- have, these might yeah. be separate categories too. I don't know. I just thought of it just now, but, uh, you know, if folks come to you with those kind of things. What, what do you do? How do you help them?
3: You know, well, that's, <laughs> That's a big hard question. question. Honestly, that's yeah. a big question. Honestly, like I said, I've got um, some other naturopathic and functional doctors that I partner with, and when it comes to something like that, that's so large, um, okay. you know, that encompasses, you know, a nutrition is a piece of the puzzle. There, it's cool. definitely something that has to be worked on collectively, because it's a very um, it's a very challenging topic.
1: Does it take other drugs and other chemicals to counteract them? Because uh, I know it's like, what's the, the thing that counteracts uh, fentanyl overdose? Um, what's that? that, drug oh, that they yeah, give?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know what I'm talking yeah. about? That yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: it's like an antidote. It's, a, it's an instant antidote. So are there, you know, like snake venom has an antidote to it. Otherwise you die, (laughs) you know, uh, spider venom. So in other words, if you get poisoned or envenomated or whatever it's called, there are antidotes that are developed from, you know, the venom itself. So we know that they've been doing that for, for years. Are there antidotes and recovery drugs necessarily, uh, or are they necessary to help with the kids that have been put through this kind of abuse? I'm just curious.
3: You know, I don't, I don't have an answer to that because I don't know the drugs. I don't know all the drugs. Um, So that's again, why I, why I do things collectively with other people that we can partner with. Well, you can with bring someone else on the show. Yet.
1: You know, if you want to bring someone else on the show to talk about it, that would be a great topic yeah. for us because I know their parents are like, you know, especially for the single parent whose other parent, you know, gave their kids these horrible drugs and things, you know, let's give them a place to, to get them back to where they were as much as possible.
3: Right. That might be interesting. No, uh, that know. would be great. Okay. That would be great. That would be great, project. yeah, because I don't—I really don't know that. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Well.
1: You know, this is what I said. This shows, uh, you know, <laughs> there's always a new challenge. There's always a new research topic. There's always something like that. You know, in touch with my my uh, my teenager reporter, Brianna, I'm always giving her stuff to do because she's in school. She's used to doing research, so she'll come back with an entire report for me. You know, like I'm like I'm the teacher. It's really great. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Um, but so uh, yeah, so you're free to to research any any of that kind of stuff. But this, this is the, this is I see the trends. All right. So the trends are that people distrust education. Uh, they distrust hospitals. They distrust traditional medicine. Yep. Uh, they distrust all these things. And it's actually a good thing. So the best thing that came out of COVID is that nobody trusts the government um, or anybody associated with the government policies. So now what do we do? Right. We need someone to replace them.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And that, so that's why I, there are a wealth of knowledge between integrative nutritionists, between functional medicine doctors, between naturopaths. Um, mm-hmm all of the different resources that can collectively work together with all of their different, different niches. Um, people need to, but, but again, here's, here's the thing is mm-hmm. that, you know, even me with some of the researching things that I'm doing, trying to figure out how to help people, people want the help, but when insurance and stuff like that doesn't cover the natural and holistic things, people don't do it because they don't have the resources. And I get that. And it just sucks. I mean, it's horrible that Mm -hmm. there is no, there are no financial options for people who say, yes, I really want to go the holistic route, but I can't Mm -hmm. even put food on the table. So what am I going to do?
1: I have an idea. (laughs) And this involves you and your naturopath doctors. Uh, It involves you, your naturopath doctors, and everything else. You make holistic care uh, a tax credit. So you make health care just as we need to make education expenditures a tax credit so that it doesn't cost you anything. Um, so whatever, you know, you would pay in taxes, you deduct that amount that you've spent on your health care. So you don't pay that amount right. for taxes. That's how credit works. So we need to make this stuff cost effective for people. So, you know, right. tax tax credits, tax deductions, uh, vouchers for low income people. There should be health vouchers so that people can take care of their own health care any way they want. Just as you have school choice, you should also have health choice. So if you want to get together with your your friends and come up with a bill, do it at the state level, first of all. Do it it for North Carolina and say, okay, so North Carolina, dear state, um, let's put together a model bill that I can then send to uh, Rebecca Hardy in Texas of Texans for Vaccine Choice and say, look, you know what they're doing? they got a health choice bill in North Carolina. Here's what they do. And then I can take it to Dr. Deborah Viglione, who was on the show earlier with Rebecca Hardy. She's a doctor. She's been dealing with COVID people for a long time. So what, would you, what could you do for treating people uh, if, it was all, if they got tax credits and the lower income folks got uh, health vouchers, uh, just like, uh, school choice vouchers? And whoa, that's going to work. So that's how you do it. Right. That's, that's, that's action radio. Uh, that's, that's what we do here is we start an idea and then you see where it goes. But a lot of times the best ideas start right. at the state, state level. So there's a project. Talk to your friends in the biz. See what you think. Let's let's get a bill on it. You know, now North Carolina. See, the problem with Texas is they only meet every two years, so the Texas legislature is. I I think that's a mistake, because that might have made sense in the eighteen hundreds, because the pace of life was a lot slower, but with the advancements in technology and the rapidity with which the government clamped down on everybody, and everybody went nuts, and you know, Texas is still on an emergency declaration. Well, that's insane. You know, so if the if the legislature only needs. Yeah, so the legislature only meets every two years. They're not responsive enough. So I don't know if you have a full-time legislature right. or you have Florida meets once a year. At least they meet once a year uh, for about four or five months. Uh, well, maybe three, three or four months. Uh, but at least it's once a year. So we don't have to wait a year uh, before we get a whole bunch right. of new bills in. But that to be wow. you know, but Congress <laughs> meets all the time. <laughs> so we can get a federal bill. You know, you can get one to your North Carolina yeah. delegation and say, Hey, we want to do this, or to the House Freedom Caucus. You know, and then say, well, let's see if we can do this nationally. You know, we'll call it the Working Families Medical Health Choice Bill. <laughs> you know, so the Democrats right? are on board. You know, that way you get the Democrats. So that's how you, you want to do something, mm-hmm. that's how you do it. That, that would be a huge action of have a health choice, you know, a tax credit bill, things like that, for any expense of mm-hmm. and include all medicine, chiropractors, nutritionists, herbalists, uh, essential oil folks, all those folks. If it's healing, it's healing. Yeah. Massage therapist. Exactly everything, the all these people.
0: Yeah, I don't good. know about the
1: crystals people though. What we'll to I have to work on the crystals? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you do crystals?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. Okay, fine. Nope. <laughs> that like Just checking.
3: What I, I got was, but you know, I think that that's a really good idea. I mean, huh? if we could get those. You know, like for me personally, when I buy supplementation or I do this or I do that, you know, being self-employed, uh-huh. obviously, that's what we're kind of sort of talking about, is right. I I, you know, I, save all of my stuff and I try to deduct it, you know, all. It's just, you know, and then I give it to whoever does my taxes and they know the portion of it. But when I'm purchasing holistic supplements and doing different things and having different services and doing things for myself. I absolutely attempt to, to use those from a legal, from a legislative perspective. I do think that you're you're right. We need to have something that you know. If somebody hires me, they can take my bill and submit that as as a as a deduction. You know, I mean, I mean, it, it needs to be done. And you know, what's interesting is again because, because it doesn't their agenda in their pocket. That is why they, they don't, and you know what has even, a, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this on uh, the radio or not, uh, but I have mentioned it to the entity. You know, for myself and my family, we do not mm-hmm. do traditional health insurance. That's just by choice. We do a health care through Christian health care ministries, and there's many out there that are faith-based and that aren't faith-based, you know, for people who want to do that. and. Mm-hmm. I had the conversation with them. I'm like, you're a Christian ministry. So why aren't you giving different services or reimbursing people for care outside of government approved care, Mm -hmm. you know, that like a blue cross blue shield or an Aetna wood or whatever there's, I don't even know what all the companies are anymore. Cigna, whatever. Um, because you're supposed to be different, right? You're supposed to be different. So other than the, and the response that I get, and trust me, I've been very, very healthy, happy with my my health share um, entity that I have chosen. I've been very happy with them, but uh-huh. I've questioned them, and I'm like, "Well, what sets you apart?" And the only thing that they say is, "You know, when I make when I make my monthly contribution every month, my money isn't going toward the to the government or to the baloney or to the this or that. My money." that I pay every month is actually going to help another family in need, you know, that needs that money to pay their medical bills. So that just, that's, it's a heart issue for me. So that just makes me feel better that that's where my money is, is going. And, um, but I said, you know, you reimburse me for everything, my medical bills, my whatever I have, you know, an incident, you know, mm-hmm. they pay for 100% of everything. But if I want to go and get thermography instead of a mammogram, which is what I do, they don't cover that. They don't cover that. So I have to pay for a thermography out of pocket. If I go to a functional doctor, or I go and get something else done, that's a holistic. They don't. They don't pay for that, and rub me the wrong way a little bit because they're supposed to be different. So, again, like you said, being able to have a tax credit. But even mm-hmm. the tax credit, if somebody doesn't have the money to pay a naturopath or an integrative nutritionist of somebody up front, right? We're a business. We have to survive. We have families. We have children. I'm a single mom, right? You, gotta, you got to, you, we all have to make money to live in this world. So That's where the vouchers
1: come in,
0: even... vouchers, same <laughs> way as you do
1: school choice. Same way as you do school choice for parents that can't afford private schools, they get a voucher. You know, in other words, the tax dollars, instead of the tax dollars going to the government schools directly, the tax dollars go to parents in in the form of a voucher. actually it should go to everybody because just because you're uh, you don't have a kid in school doesn't mean you aren't paying education taxes. you are. That's what property tax is all about. Right. So the same you, you do the same thing with uh, with health. You could have you know you combine medical savings accounts um, with uh, with the tax credit uh, uh, reimbursement. and then once you've exceeded you know your tax credits, uh, so the, the point where you're not paying any income tax, you have all these health expenses you have. Okay, fine. That's, at that point, we need to look into a voucher system for, for health costs. You know, and one of those costs right. would be health insurance. It, health insurance should be a deductible.
0: Oh, yeah. You
1: know, I mean, the, I mean, the, the company's, company's deducted as an expense, so why can't we get a credit for, for paying for health insurance? Anything you pay for for health-related, and that includes so-called right. alternative medicine, should be a, a creditable uh, expense. So in other words, right. you know, and you can get like you have a child care tax credit. Why why can't you have a, a health care tax credit? So if everybody right. got if everybody got a thousand dollar or two thousand uh, dollar tax credit. So in other words, and this would be this would be a refund. This would be just, this would be your vouchers. OK, um, but it, it's got to come in the form of a voucher. and It has to be spent inter, for health things. I'm not sure how you do that. There's some 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 mechanism things we'd have to investigate right. as, as to how to do it. But. Or, or you just list your medical expenses, you yeah. know, on your on your tax form and you, and you get those reimbursed. Um, but then you know, the government will be approving it. We, this is going to take some work to figure this out. But the point is you shouldn't yeah. have to pay um, just as, as taxes go for education. They should also, also go for health so that people at least have exactly. a minimum of health care. Uh, but their choice. See, that's the problem is the insurance companies regulate exactly. health care. So the insurance companies, you know, the CMS, what, the, the the Center for Medicaid uh, services is probably the most evil health institute in, in the world because they're the ones that say we will pay $130,000 for a COVID death, but we're not going to pay 5 bucks for, uh, for a, a course of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or 20 bucks for a week. You know, so right. they're willing to pay $130,000 to kill somebody in a ventilator and remdesivir, but they're not willing to pay 20 bucks a week for someone to be cured with, co- with uh, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Well, that's just insane. Most people should all be arrested and exactly. thrown in jail. And anybody in Congress who voted for that kind of thing, you know, I mean, that's just criminal. That's criminally insane to pay one hundred thirty thousand dollars for a covid death and not pay twenty dollars for a covid cure. That is madness. But right. yet that's what we're dealing with. So we need to change that around So insurance has to stop dominating health. That's another huge bill. Oh, by the way, I wrote your bill down. Uh, the, the, the health choice working families, you know, tax credit yeah. bill. It's number one hundred and seventy nine of my list of bills to get to just to let you know where I stand. I have work to do. 100, do you believe yeah. that? There's 179 bill ideas on that file. <laughs> I need a staff, big time.
0: Hey, hey, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So for folks yeah. that don't know there's, where we're I going with Action a Radio. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry.
1: I just I just for for people that don't know where we're going with Action Radio, you know, I literally have ideas on everything, and I need people who want to write bills. It's that simple: state bills, local bills, national bills, uh, international. I got Marco in the Netherlands listening in. Um, I've got uh, our audience is growing in in uh, especially England. England is is, is, is really going uh, uh, kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that um, you know we've got about fifteen percent of our audience is international, and four uh, percent of that's in England. You know, which is pretty big. It's just that one yeah. country. So England, Canada, and Australia combined are about 10% of our foreign audience. You know, so the English-speaking world is really kind of catching on. So we're going to have to start gearing up for parliamentary bills. We've got to figure out how to do those. So, uh, so think about health systems in a parliamentary system <laughs> or health bill.
3: Upward and onward.
1: That's <laughs> where we're going. Did you ever see my bill, okay. uh, my Australian Bill of Rights? Did you ever see that?
3: I did not. I'll have to get on and check it out.
1: Okay. I'll send it to you. Or, or just, just go to writeyourlaws.com uh, and then click on legislation, click on all proposed laws, uh, and there it is. You know, it's like the first or second one up there. So, yeah, that is a bunch of modern things. Uh, but we did include uh, um, a tax thing um, because I don't want to put taxes in terms of rights. That's not where they go. It's statutory law for this. Anyway, back to you. We've got five minutes. What do you want to do? Uh, what have we forgotten to cover? I don't
3: know. We, we've actually covered a lot, but um... – I mm-hmm. do like the fact uh see I see because I wasn't writing down and taking my notes, of making some notes maybe for for next podcast. week to go over um, what do well, we listen say? To we po- listen to, to the podcast. podcast. What
0: else we
1: were talking yeah. This is why we huh? podcast everything we talk everything we talk about is on podcast, so you can always listen to the podcast and, and take I do that a lot of times. I I'll mean, take notes yeah, from the podcast correct. and go, Oh, I forgot about that and to write stuff down. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I don't I mean I mean I think again. We just have to continue. Um, and we'll set t- more specific topics, like I said, for next week. But I was trying to piggyback off of, of Rebecca just a little bit. I think, you know, right right now, as much as people can listen and obtain different resources and information and get help for situations, and really focus into on their on their uh, mental health. You know, I'm not really big, um, and this is a personal thing for a lot of different reasons. I'm not a big, like, yoga person or anything like that, but just to get into your, your own quiet space or go for a walk or pray or meditate or do whatever you do, right? Um, I think doing that, you know, really does help, help just mm-hmm. your whole well, well-being. And I think that's one of the things that people really need to hone in on right now is focusing in on the things that they can do regardless of whatever their situations or circumstances are at this moment right you you, you have to deal with today uh, what, what is the thing you know don't focus on what what tomorrow will bring focus on what today will bring and for today focus on those things that you can do that will be positive energy positive encouragement um to yourself and your world. Dig into those resources and empower yourself through others. Have a good group of people people around you to help you with where you are at that moment. And I think that's a really, really, really big deal. And people are doing that through Action Radio and through a lot of other other resources. So that's that would be my, like, end comment and encouragement for the day and for this week.
1: Okay. I just wrote down mental health care for next week. So if you want to expand on that, uh, all the things people can do for their mental health, you know, and that might include nutrition, exercise, sitting by the beach. You know, I've heard that uh, uh, you can talk about the, the, the negative, the negative ions that water generates you know by by movement yeah. this is why everybody in the city gathers around a fountain they don't know why but they feel better and the reason they feel better is because the negative right. ions are countering the po- the positive ion charges which are bad for you in all the electronic machines and computers and what used to be really bad with a copier oh. those big xerox machines were right. horrible in terms of uh, ion exactly.
0: generation
1: um, but that's you know all that stuff is fair game you know that would be uh, yeah. you know we we could we could do a little bit on uh, on the necessity of water fountains <laughs> You know, I mean, just because, or why yeah, Why right? you feel better at the beach. You know, everybody feels, everybody loves to go to the beach. Why? Well, they don't know why. Well, the reason why they feel better at the beach is because of the ion charge of the water. It it, uh, right. it negates the positive ions you get from all your electronics. So you feel better. That's right. Well, there's a reason for that. So those are the kind of things right. I love to go into. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been exactly. an incredible day. Yeah. Yeah, Listen to that second it hour. Really um, yeah, I think when, when uh, Dr. Deborah Leon turned in. So she's a doctor who works with politics, and Rebecca is more of a political advocate who's learning medical stuff. So between the two of them, uh, it was fascinating. We, we had a pretty good interchange just because of the different expertise. So uh, Rebecca can help uh, Deb become a better lobbyist, and Deborah can teach uh, uh, Rebecca more of the health stuff because she's a doctor. So it was it's, it's a great day. I love hey. our chat, so you know you never know what we're gonna talk about. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. So contact information, anything you wanna give? Um and then uh I'm gonna go sure, play sure. play some stuff and I'm done for today. Yeah.
3: If anybody well, wants except to, for the rest of
1: my to day really work. <laughs> There's so much work I have to do yeah. on the show. Off the air. The off the air is, you know, so I work on Action Radio just for folks that are curious. About sixteen hours a day. Uh three of it's the show. <laughs> so that's so twelve of it's so so thirteen of it's everything else. <laughs>
3: I know, right? I know. Yep. I know. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: I do the same. I do the same thing. Well, if anybody wants to reach out to me with any questions, concern, or what needs any other resources that I have access to, anybody can email me at h2o wellness network at gmail.com. That's h2o wellness network at gmail.com.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, C.J. Let's do it next week.
3: Thank you.
0: Mental health.
1: You have a blessed too. Bye. All right. Let me play some stuff here. And because uh, I didn't get a chance to play anything, we've been having so much fun with all my wonderful callers and reporters. that I uh, play a little bit? Then, of course, I'll play our musical selection to end today um, as well. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. And, of course, our websites, blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction is our website here. The next one is our, our legislative site, writeyourlaws.com. Uh, our, our substack, com. Uh, suggesting if you want a, a $10 monthly subscription, would really help us out here at Action Radio. And our, our general um, contribution site is givesendgo.com slash Action Radio. Back again uh, tomorrow. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's strikeforceenergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. And, of course, as always, we're looking for uh, sponsors here either directly or making commercials for you or whatever we can do. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive